This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. R.J. Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release, but not this time. <gasps> I'm sorry, R.J., I tricked you. We're... Well, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> I spent all week watching uh, that whole box set of Criterion movies you gave me, and now you pull this on me? Uh, sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> well... Well, I'm not. I'm not set in stone to stay with this thing. Yeah, you don't. You didn't put a ring on it. <laughs> uh, well, folks, uh, welcome to our first, I guess, uh, October Halloween special. Uh, we're going to Ghoul School. This is Ghoul School 101, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's but, very accurate descriptions of how uh, a class would be held. Mm-hmm. And the title of said classes. Yeah, um, you're doing great. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Uh, so here we are talking about, I guess, just what we're going to be watching uh, this October month. Uh, we're a whole two days in. Uh, some of mm-hmm. us have been uh, overwatching movies. Some of us have been trying to watch more movies, but that damn mm-hmm. life gets in the way. But uh-huh. uh, yeah, I don't know. We didn't really have much thought put into this whole thing, so we're just going to wing it. We're winging it. We're going to do it live. 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 We'll so do we- it live. It's always live. So, RJ, mm-hmm. you a fan of horror movies? Um, not really. Oh. So. Good night, folks. That's the end of the show. <laughs> Good night. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I self-identify as a fan of the horror genre. Yeah. How about you? Yes. Yes, I am. Um, I'd say that actually probably... Uh, our shared interest and in, uh, appreciation of the horror genre is what brought us together uh, as colleagues. Aww. Yes, this is true, actually. Um, it was mostly because I was telling you about the stuff I was watching, and there was an extreme frustrating disappointment in my movie picks, and I that was when you started lending me stuff, and you said, here, watch this stuff instead of all that garbage you're watching. So yeah, I think that sounds about right. Well, because like yeah, I'm not sure if we were just talking about like movies in general. Because like, well, I guess like to give context, I guess uh, we basically met via the comic book store that uh, mm-hmm. I've been working at uh, on a pr- pretty regular basis for the last 16 years, uh, mm-hmm. mostly on a part time basis. But uh, yeah, and then you too worked at the comic book store uh, a few years ago. Um, but we didn't really cross paths too much in uh, as, as employees of uh, of one Bobby. No, uh, my stint as the comic book employee was uh, short. It was about a year and a half. It was during my undergrad, uh, and I only worked on the weekends because that was all that time allowed, which mm-hmm. did not overlap with any of your schedule. So uh, I was just there for weekends and undergrads, and then uh, when I became a grad student. And uh, started working full time and was contractually uh, prohibited from working a job outside of the university. I uh, my tenure at the comic store stopped. Yeah. So it was that. But also, you uh, work with my girlfriend. So there we have that going too. Yeah, I guess like because I kind of met your girlfriend. I guess before I met you, because uh, there was the. Uh, at the time, there was a lunch club of sorts that was occurring on Tuesday mm-hmm. or Thursdays. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how that all ended, but it seemed like certain people moved away and time and whatnot got in the way. So that all fell to the side. It was really, it like was a, you. 
people were sick neat. of your shit, and uh, yeah. they they still have lunch clubs. They just don't invite you anymore. Well, that's fine because yeah. you and I have uh, lunch hour instead. This is true. Where yeah. we uh, where basically we do the same thing we're doing here, except it's uh, it's wackier, it's off the chain, and it's no holds barred action. Yeah. Yeah, and then it gave birth to a podcast, and I don't know those fools at this lunch club that have their own podcast. Uh, I think that most of them do, but oh. um, yeah, and they don't have as cl- uh, catchy titles as ours. That's right. But uh, I just realized this is um, this is our secret origins episode. It is, yeah. This this should be give uh, people uh, incentive, even if they don't give a fuck about horror movies, to give us uh, give us a listen. Yep. Because it's all that background details. Only uh, mm. people like Jeff Johns can do uh, do well and sell. So mm. yep. that's what we're bringing to the table today. Uh, uh, and of course, if you don't know who Jeff Johns is, uh, what are you doing listening? No, he's a comic scribe uh, who defines the DC universe and perhaps explains why they're in the situation they are, yep. which is, I don't know, people kind of buy their books, mm-hmm. but uh, don't really care or talk about them too much. Anyway, that's Anyways. neither here nor there. Anyway, so yeah, we were talking, I guess, at the store a couple <laughs> years ago, and uh, I guess we both, I think at the time, we talked about uh, that James Rolfe guy's uh, show, his uh, mm-hmm. Cinemassacre, uh, like, like Horror Month, uh, was it Monster Horror Month? Madness. Monster Madness that he does. Monster Madness, yeah. And uh, yeah, we kind of talked about that for a bit, and then um, at that point, I think like I really started getting carried away with my like super heavy uh, horror movie watching, probably in... Uh, probably 2011. Mm-hmm. I think it probably kicked off because uh, the AV Club at that point they started. They were doing these really cool little articles, like kind of the week of Halloween, like 24 hours of horror, and they mm-hmm. were getting um, kind of guest uh, writers to do like just like doing a program of like if you were going to do like a 24 hour period of time where you're just going to watch horror movies, what would be the these movies that you would suggest someone do. Um, and like, they had like, I'm trying to think that Edgar Wright did one, uh, Joe Dante, uh, I think like Carrie King of Slayer. He did one. Uh, Goldberg. Uh, no, they haven't asked. They haven't haven't got around to Whoopi. Um, does Abe Vigoda have a spot on that list though? Not yet. I mean, there's, there's only once a year. Uh, they have, they have hundreds of people to get through. I think before uh, Whoopi will be considered, (laughs) Well, I'm not interested in any of those assholes. Yeah. Well, you maybe, give me maybe the when they Goldberg, do, <laughs> Abe Vigoda special. Maybe when they do their uh, uh, exploitation uh, list, mm-hmm. they'll they'll come knocking to Whoopi's door. It's the only person I would go to. And the Abe Vigoda 24 hour marathon. They'll be Excellent. asking his family, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Is he dead or is he just old? I think he actually did finally die. Finally. Because the joke the joke was always that like Abe Vigoda is still alive and now he's mm-hmm. dead. Okay, well, I don't want – don't look it up because I don't, don't want uh, any solid facts. I'm just going to continue under the impression that he is alive um, to comfort myself. Okay, well, he did die. He did. He, he <laughs> died, on. But he died this year. Finally, he did die this year. So it was only oh, – okay. Well, that's weird. I, I feel like I would have remembered that happening. Yeah. But may, maybe, again, maybe I pushed it out of my mind because he's too special to me. Uh. All right. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah. Uh, so around 2011 is when my uh, horror viewing really started taking off, and I started making like a real uh, point of watching like horror stuff. I just always felt that like at the end of the day, like whatever I gravitated toward for like movie making and stuff like that, and like genres, it's always been mm-hmm. horror has been kind of a driving force. Um, right. But I guess like going back further than that. Um, so like. 
how like what was your early introduction to the the horror movies? Do you want the whole deal here? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. All right. Um, so I think the first horror movie I ever watched, and it remains one of my favorite. I have such like a sentimental childhood attachment to it that um, I see no flaw in it. I think it's a perfect movie. Is uh, when I was in grade one, so I would have been about six years old. Uh, we had a Halloween like the elementary I went to whenever it was Halloween pretty much like you didn't do any work you would have like a parade of costumes and then you go to your class and exchange candy and stuff like that and some teachers would put on movies so uh, when I was in grade one six years old uh, a teacher put on the Halloween tree uh, yeah. which is a, a cart animated adaption of the Ray Bradbury story of the same name uh, I pretty sure like it'd be it'd be hard to say but that's the first thing I actually remembered that stuck with me. Uh, I think that movie is fucking amazing. I love it. It's so much like, I don't know, there's so much authentic, genuine care into Halloween and like all that stuff in that movie. Um, it's hard. I don't know. I don't really want to talk about it because it's awesome. People should just go watch that movie. It's fucking amazing. Um, the book is pretty good too. The book's, uh, it's almost shot for shot, but the book has like, two extra characters so there's a little bit more stuff but if anyone's from unfamiliar it's it's like a group of friends and uh the one friend who's like the cool kid uh who everyone like forward to hanging out with he's disappeared on halloween night right when they're all about to go trick-or-treating so they go look for him and they find this like spooky mansion with a huge tree that has a bunch of pumpkins on it like jack-o-lanterns and all the jack-o-lanterns look eerily like people that they know and they see one that is like of their best friend so they go in to investigate and they find out that the pumpkins are souls and this man is basically the grim reaper and their friend is on the run because he's basically dying and this old man is trying to steal his soul so all the kids in their costumes go through a adventure through time Jarrett, <gasps> where they in encounter whatever basically different periods of whatever they're dressed as so one kid is a mummy so they go to ancient egypt one kid is a hunchback so they go to uh notre dame um and through the process of chasing their best friend they find out the true meaning of halloween in a bunch of different uh like cultures and different traditional things in different regions so that's the halloween tree it's fucking awesome everybody should go watch that movie so yeah. that's my that's my first horror movie. Okay, yeah, no, I uh, I remember seeing Halloween Tree on like maybe it was like ABC or something like that, like around Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. like it was just they they played that instead of like the usual block of cartoons in the morning. And right. uh, I remember watching that, and I remember being like really like amazed and like swept into kind of like the 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 epic scope of that story. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like I was like pretty well born, I think, to be a uh, horror fan uh halloween fan because like i don't know i guess like uh i had like a real obsession with like jack-o'-lanterns when i was like a little kid like really little like i desperately wanted a like uh my for my birthday cake i wanted like a jack-o'-lantern which like at the end of august in like living where we were it's like that's not a really a common cake that people just make so you had to get that customized um, and I'm pretty sure that they did eventually get a pumpkin. They did make get one made for me, my mm-hmm. parents. Um, 
but yeah, and like I remember, like I would like I don't know scarecrows. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. were amazing, like c- the coolest thing. So uh, I was always a big fan of like uh, the Wizard of Oz uh, Japanese cartoon that they played um, here at the time. It, or, yeah. I, and at the time, I had no idea it was Japanese. It was not until like a few years ago that I found that all out. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, I thought, yeah, Scarecrow was awesome. I just like always had an obsession with like, yeah, for some reason, I don't know what it is. And like, there's like a whole like Scarecrow subgenre within horror that exists. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. There's just something to it that I've, I haven't really spent enough time thinking about to really put my finger on what it is. But uh, beyond that, uh, my parents were like horror movie watchers too. Like they mm-hmm. would might, they would just rent stuff. Cause like they, uh, at that point, so mid eighties, they had their, uh, first VCR and they were like going to video cinema and renting, uh, whatever new movies were out. And like, they often would kind of default to watching horror stuff. Cause I mean, they would have been like in their like twenties too. So mm-hmm. there's like, yeah, let's watch those. But, uh, I would have the tendency to like sneak into the uh, living room, uh, Talk. when they were watching this stuff, mm-hmm. but I'd be like, uh, like crawling on my like hands and knees and like so laying on my stomach, so they wouldn't see me at like ten o'clock at night or whatever time it was, because my bedtime was at seven and they start watching movies. But I'm like, I want to watch this too, so I'd yeah. sneak in. And but those were really traumatic, uh, traumatic experiences because like I'd watch, I'd be seeing stuff that like uh, my young mind wouldn't necessarily be able to comprehend and then I'd get nightmares and then my parents had to deal with me like not being mm-hmm. able to sleep and like just be freaked out and like all the time so being a little shit yeah yeah so uh that was my experience but like I think a few of the movies that I really do remember uh from being like a wee kid watching stuff I shouldn't watch was I believe it would have been like um uh Larry Cohen's The Stuff which I didn't, oh, yeah. which I didn't realize till long after the, uh, what, what it was that I had watched, because like I thought maybe it was like a dream I had had, where it involved like people kind of like uh, kind of crawling up to like an edge of like a cliff, and they're looking down into this cavern, and there's this this pool of white mass and it's like mm-hmm. bubbling up and communicating amongst itself and um like a man like laying in a bed and like white ooze kind of dripping down like a grandfather clock and like i've since watched this stuff and like mm-hmm. like there is a scene where kind of characters like looking over a cliff face and like they're seeing this like pool of the white stuff but it's like not like it's commuting uh, it's not communicating with itself or anything like that and there's definitely no scene with this like white ooze dripping down a grandfather clock inside of like a large room but it's like it was that movie like but yeah it's kind of strange that i would have had these nightmares coming out of it confabulation jared yeah people misremember things and then it gets built up into what more grand than it actually is mm-hmm. well now it's like man i wish i could do something with these images that are still in my head. There's this other one too that like I've still been trying to like figure out what it was that I watched when I was a kid or what this mm-hmm. dream was, but it involved me being like trapped in sort of like a like like mud tunnel, like it's just underground mine and like running through this thing and there's like mud men like that would like kind of like come out of the walls of the, mm-hmm. the out of the tunnels and like me like trying to run just down this thing as these things are coming out uh, after me yeah. and like one grabs me and kind of like grabs me by or with its arms and pulls me in mm-hmm. and like of course it's just mud so it pulls me into itself and like yeah that still like sticks in my mind and i've been trying to figure out what that could have been um the closest i ever got was there was a abc television movie from like called like the world from beyond or something like that and it had mm-hmm. like a mud man but it doesn't have any scene involving like anyone going underground and i even paid like 
15 or 20 bucks to get a uh, bootleg at the time because I couldn't find a copy of it online. At all. And yeah. uh, so I ordered this like burn on demand thing from this like bootlegger. And sure enough, it's like, yeah, this is a really boring TV movie and had nothing to do with my dream. So I still mm-hmm. pursue the hopes that I will find maybe find out if that was actually something I've watched yeah. or just something in my head. I have two suggestions. Could it have been Indiana Jones, the Crystal Skull, where uh, the guys are coming out of the walls? Uh, no. <laughs> Pretty sure since that came out many decades later. Okay. Uh, my second guess is that it really happened, and uh, you're just a ghost now. Oh, that is so, that is possible. No one's seen I mean, me. No one has seen me since. Nobody sees you when the sun is out. It's only when it's covered by overcast or, uh, you know, stuff like that. No, well, that uh, will uh, necessitate necessitates some further investigation, I guess. True, true. Um, um, are you? Do you have more movies? Uh, well, the, the other movie I really remember too is I it probably would have been Friday the Thirteenth Part Six or Seven, uh, whichever one it is that involves uh, like the girl on the boat and it seems like it's like almost like there's like the there's a fire going on outside of the boat and Jason's jumping out of the water and he's on a chain. Yeah, whatever one that one was, that's the, like Manhattan, another movie. Maybe no, it's before Manhattan. It's before okay. they got to Manhattan. So I think it's seven. But okay. I could be six. Um, yeah, so there's that. And yeah, those would be kind of like those like high watermarks of like early horror that I would have seen. Um, but I remember like going to video stores uh, and like I remember there was a uh, it was a nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, the Dream Child stand up. And what oh, it yeah. was is it's Freddy Krueger and he's got his like claw to his mouth. Like he's uh, kind of saying shh. And he's got the uh, like demonic baby carriage. Um, right. That thing I thought was so awesome. Like and like I did really mm-hmm. didn't know who Freddy Krueger was or anything. And I was just like, what the hell is that? That thing's amazing. And so like I remember like going into the video store like kind of like frequently and looking at it really hard and then going home and like trying to draw it to get all the details down. And so I drew mm-hmm. this thing over and over and over again when I was a kid. Um it's just something about Freddy Krueger's like face and like the the sweater and stuff like that. I thought it was mm-hmm. just so neat. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's like the whole experience of like walking up and down like the uh, video store uh, horror section and like being like, oh, you're not supposed to go down there because those covers will give you nightmares. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember just like, oh yeah, it's like forbidden. But because it's forbidden, you also kind of like try to sneak a peek to see like what the latest the weird creepy is. cover is. Yeah. And you'd always see like the same covers because it's not like video stores really had a huge like new turnover of old stock. Like they'd have their catalog stuff and it would stay the same. It would just get added to from new stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah I remember that. Um, there used to be a video store uh, called Mega Movies and uh, it had this like, I remember, so it would have been like early 90s, but like whenever uh, uh Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 came out. They had this mm. gigantic banner. Like, it was a huge canvas thing, like, all along it promoting the movie. And, like, it's just, like, the creepiest thing because, like, it's, so it's Leatherface, but it's, like, kind of like a pink, purple, and black uh, color scheme. And But his face is completely blacked out, so you only, you only get his, like, uh, silhouette, but it's lit. And so you get the crazy hair and this black figure, and you see the words... Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Leatherface and like that just like sets the imagination like just flying and you're like what the hell is that and at that time my mom she was always like oh Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just like this it's like the scariest worst movie I've ever seen in my life and and that was like so I'm like well yeah it should be it's called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Mm -hmm. 
So like that's one of those like images that still really burnt into my mind that banner, um, yeah. and like yeah. So like yeah, my mom she was like a Alfred Hitchcock fan, so she like always like for her it was like the birds and Psycho. She would talk about those all the time. Yeah. It's like the scariest things she'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so does your family like have much feelings toward horror, or did you have anything <laughs> like that? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll- I'll talk about that. I just um, I, I wanted to add on that a little bit because I, I I remembered a few other things. So as you're talking about like the horror movie stores, I, I talked about it before, but uh, um, that when I was walking through like video stores, uh, the Hellraiser cover always yeah. really scared me. And to this day, until probably in the next couple days here, I have never seen any of those because I was always way too scared and intimidated by it, just because I always saw it as a little kid. So I. Uh, that movie movie store fear it's real i, I remember <laughs> that but um yeah so i remember before i had told you that uh i think my earliest fear memory was watching the the lady in the bathroom from the shining yeah like when i was too young and i was wasn't supposed to but i i can correct myself because i have two other things that i can say with confidence happened before um one of them is uh are you afraid of the dark because I watched that a lot when I was a little kid. And that show is actually pretty sweet. Uh, if it gets a chance to watch some of those old episodes, they're wicked. It's a Canadian show uh, about kids at the Campfire Society. And they all take turns telling spooky stories. So it's just like an anthology series. Um, but there was one in particular I remember. It was it's called like Quicksilver or something. Or the monster itself was called Quicksilver. And it was about like an old farmhouse where uh, people would draw like a door on their wall in chalk and then this guy like this like demon ghoul silver would come through and like would take you or something like that and that always really fucking scared me like i um i don't know i i haven't seen it as an adult i just remember it very vividly as a kid like i watched the episode once and it fucking scared the shit out of me so i've never seen it again i don't know if it would hold up but uh as like a under 10 year old kid the Quicksilver episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark is spooky as fuck. Oh, um, oh you know what? Uh, actually, that reminded me now, too. I think, like, actually my uh, f- uh, fixation on pumpkins, actually, mm-hmm. I just re- remember, too, what it came from was uh, on the cartoon The Real Ghostbusters. Um, oh yeah in the yeah. so like the in the first few episodes of that when it started and like this was one of those times where like i had never actually watched the ghostbusters movie um but i watched the cartoon um and and i've always actually liked the cartoon more than i've liked the movies um mm-hmm. but like there's like the one episode and it's like uh all hallows eve and like kind of like there's like the ultimate big like horror monster ghost monster is sam hain and he's just this giant like specter with the ghost like a pumpkin head mm-hmm. and like i like man that thing was like the most cool thing and actually all the coolest things i probably ever saw when i was a kid came from the real ghostbusters cartoon um like i can still like recall like way too many like episodes and like monsters that are directly from that and the one thing i found that was kind of neat too after the fact was um jace uh jace michael uh, jace michael uh who's the creator of like babylon 5 uh he actually worked on like the first like year of the real ghostbusters cartoon and uh so like he was like throwing in like uh like hp lovecraft uh references into those early episodes and just like coming up with like really simple stuff but Mm -hmm. um i'm always like oh wow like so like it's one of those things where you don't 
think about it till later. But it's like, yeah, you have like, these adults who are like really into like horror and stuff like that, who've been like reading tons of this stuff, and they're trying to just like infuse that into like these like kid cartoons that they were making. Right. right. And so, which is super cool. Yeah. No. Like, yeah. And like, there's like still, uh, there's like the one early episode in there too, where it was like involving like a like a haunted house, but like the whole house was like a ghost, and like the house mm-hmm. was all made up of like ghosts. And awesome. like, there's still like a house that I walk by to this day that like I look at, and it looks like a fake house. Like it looks like mm-hmm. it's like a predator house. Like it's like a monster that makes itself look like a house, and it like it doesn't really know exactly what houses look like, but it can. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's got the shape of one, and so Close it's like. Enough. yeah it's almost like it overdoes it like it's an over exaggeration of housing so like it's got like really fake looking uh accoutrements like it's just like strange Ooh, that's like, a ten dollar <laughs> word yeah and it's got like overhanging things and like, big flowers like it looks like a like a kid's drawing of a of a, a house. house looks like yeah. but there's this house and it's like i'm like oh like it's trying to lure people in by like looking as appealing to be as a house as possible mm-hmm. but then like at the same time I'm like man someone actually like I mean, obviously none of that's true, but somebody like has this house and they don't know what mm-hmm. like houses should look like. There's like no um, subtlety at all to any of the like decorations or design of their place. But I still think that's like, that's a monster house and it's going to try to eat me. As soon as I go to the door, it'll just like ingest it, it me and mm-hmm. th- then I'm dead. I'm, I'm it, done. I mean, it probably will. Like, yep. and then I it, believe it. And then it gets up and moves on to the next town and starts all over again in an Fucking empty right. lot. Yeah. That's how this stuff happens. Ask Ray Bradbury. He knows. He knows. Um, but yeah, so anyways, uh, going back. So I was going to say one more thing that leads right into whether or not my family does stuff. Um, the other early, earliest like fear memory I have is when I was really little, like, I don't know, like six or seven, my mom made me watch uh, the Chucky movies, like Chucky <laughs> I don't to this day I bring it up to her because like I don't know why she did it I think she thought it was funny or something because I'm the youngest of four kids so it was like hey why don't you watch this movie and then you'll be tough when you grow up because you you, you won't be scared of stuff anymore but it had like the complete inverse uh, action there where I was just like I fucking I still I don't watch any of those Chucky movies despite the fact that it's got my main man Brad Dourif in there Um, I can't watch them because it 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 legit I honestly I had so many nightmares of like dolls and stuff coming alive. One time, Jared, I was in the bath when I was a real little kid and I had a Goldar toy. Do you remember from Power Rangers, Goldar? Yeah. He was like the gold winged yes. like dog thing. Yeah. I had a Goldar to- toy and I had it in the bath with me. And uh, the the motion of the water in the bath made the toy look like it was moving. So I got really <laughs> scared. I ripped the wings off and I threw it in the closet and uh, I feel really bad now because that would have been a really sweet toy to have uh, as an adult um, <laughs> but I thought it was coming alive like in the child's play movies so I threw that fucker away I ripped it up um, so anyways uh, so my mom doing that uh, she is a pretty she's pretty active in the holidays in general okay. but uh, for Halloween she would always do this thing like a uh, that our family house growing up had this really like kind of open entryway where it was uh, you'd come in there was like the closet entryway uh, and then there was like a little den attached to it that had doors opening up so it was very like open and you could kind of spacious and for Halloween she would always um, put up blankets blocking it all off into like a confined area and put up a bunch of decorations and stuff like that. So whenever people would come, kids would come trick or treating 
if like the parents were there, she would like ask them if it's okay and they would come in and she'd have like, uh, she had a couple CDs of like spooky haunted house sounds and they could all come into the entryway and just like, I don't know, take in all the decorations and stuff before they get their candy. And uh, I always really, really, or I always thought that was fucking awesome that she did that. And I think that's what kind of instilled like my love of Halloween in general. And that's why I like horror because of Halloween. And I think it's because of that, like the pageantry of it and like just the costumes and the decorations and stuff like that. So the other people and like my brother and sisters and my dad, I don't think they're into it very much. Like my brother hates horror movies cause he gets really scared. Um, which is kind of funny sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> my mom, my mom for sure. She, she always, uh, her signature costume is she dresses up like a witch and, uh, she puts on that, uh, her cassette tape of like creaky house sounds and wailing and stuff like that. And then I don't know. So I think, I think that's what it is. Like the rest of my family, not so much. Actually, um, my one older sister, she, she is a pretty big horror buff too. She reads a lot of horror things. So when I was younger, she always had Stephen King books around, which is probably why I'm a big Steve, Steve fan as well. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, some of them are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, like other than like, like, yeah, my, so my, my parents definitely are. My sister, I don't really ever get the sense that she was, uh, really interested in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's never really, it's never really come up. Like usually I, I always found that like watching horror movies was such a like, uh, solo activity for me. Um, like I always found that I enjoyed watching horror movies the first time by myself and I'm still yeah. like that to this day. Um, mm-hmm. like I pretty well, like if I'm given like a choice in the matter, I will watch a movie by myself. Um, like I always found that like when I'm in a theater watching like a horror movie, like when I was in junior high and, uh, all the like kind of post scream horror mm-hmm. stuff was coming out. Um, a group of friends and I, we would go and I just, I, I hate jump scares. They make me yep. feel, uh, really vulnerable in like a bad way. And I just, uh, mm-hmm. I just don't like that experience. Cause it, it's also kind of like, Oh, you pussy, you jumped at that. And it's like, yeah. well, that's kind of the idea. Like everything is designed to make you jump. And the yeah. idea that like a loud sound is going to make me like go, huh? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's exactly what it's supposed to do. And it's like, Oh, what are you stupid? You're responding to your body's like physical reactions. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, I'm like, uh, I just, whatever. So I, uh, I just watch horror stuff, uh, alone now. Um, so yeah, like I've been doing that though. Like kind of what happened was, um, my, uh, my sister, she actually came down with juvenile diabetes, uh, when I was like 13 or something like that. So she was 11 or 10 and, Mm -hmm. uh, what wound up happening. So my parents were at the hospital an awful lot at the time and they didn't really want to bring me to the hospital all the time. So I was kind of left on my own, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, time at the house and stuff like that. And I was like old enough that I could stay home alone, which I greatly enjoyed, I guess. Um, but like the thing I uh, demanded at that point in time was it's like, Hey, let's go to blockbuster and I'm going to watch these like horror movie franchises that I've like only heard about. Cause now I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm a big boy now and I can watch whatever I want. And God so, right. and so that was like, I'm going to watch all the Friday the 13th movies in order. And I'm going to watch all the yeah nightmare on Elm street and Friday the 13th or the two that I tackled, um, at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause I, I think maybe like maybe a year or maybe like a few months prior to all that, I maybe watched the first Halloween by myself, uh, and then become obs- and just became obsessed with it. 
Um, which I guess is like the other way around is like kind of like what was the first real like big horror movie that you watched that like really like kind of set you on the path of this. And for me, it was definitely Halloween. Um, cause I think I remember, uh, my friend Lawrence coming over and it was during the, uh, God, it was when the Blue Jays won, uh, the world series. So that's 91, 92, uh, later than that, uh, 93. 93. Well, because they won it. It was or 94. Two years and, or was it yeah, 94? Because then there was, yes, yeah, the 94, because it was the same night as the, uh, I think it's the same night as the Quebec referendum. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it was like all the same time. So that happened. Uh, so that was happening. We were playing like Street Fighter 2 Turbo and, well, uh, yeah. and, and playing and watching Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, all at, at the same time. It was a great, great day uh, to be alive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was like sort of the movie that really did did it in for me, um, which is like good because it's like Halloween's actually like a really well-made movie um, yeah. and holds up incredibly well. You don't really have to apologize for too much about it like you do with some of the horror stuff that exists. Yeah. yeah um, but yeah, no. So, I mean, that was kind of like kind of where I, that was like to jump ahead, I guess. Uh, that was like the movie that really, became like a linchpin for me. Like when I kind of had like money and like started Mm -hmm. buying my own movies, like Halloween, there was like this really cool 20th anniversary, like clamshell that I think Inker Bay put out and it came with like an orange, uh, keychain and, um, like this big black kind of leather looking case. Um, and it had like a second tape and it had like the special features and, uh, I think a TV cut of the movie that was a little bit longer. But yeah, so that was like kind of like the big movie for me. Um, what about you? For like, like child- was, yeah, like what was like the movie like kind of like your post adolescent like uh, like just as you're like now you're not a kid like what's the first like real horror movie you watched I guess as a kid? Oh shit, uh, you're catching me off guard here. Um, the first real horror movie? You mean other than the Halloween tree? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Hocus Pocus. Oh, whoa. Does that count? Uh, nope. But uh, oh, you can think about that one. Maybe, maybe okay. get back to us in the next episode. Um, yeah, okay. what, 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 do, you, do you have any idea what the first like horror movie you saw in theater was? Um, I am not sure. Maybe like The Addams Family. That's like, I know that's not really like big time horror. Yeah, it, it's it's a uh, horror infused, I guess. Kind of like hocus infused. pocus. Um actually, uh you know what? You know what I think it would have been? Uh and actually I think I can say this with confidence. The first horror movie I probably ever saw in theaters was Signs, starring our fucking favorite man alive, Mel Gibson. <laughs> so that that one came out in 2002, so it was only, I would have only been 12 years old. So I think that's probably God. fitting. Like I don't think I went to anything like I forget how young you that. are. <laughs> well, I'm only 13. I, oh, right. I know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Signs came out when I was 12, and I saw that in theaters, and it scared the shit out of me. And uh, it also just intensified that love for uh, for for Mel. So I guess Signs, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I was just like, I just went through, because I, ha- I do have a list of like all the movies I've seen in theater, to the best of my recollection. And it looks like the first horror movie I saw in theater was by our good friend, uh, John Carpenter. And I saw uh, the Village of the Damned remake. Oh. Yeah. That was I, I've f- never seen that. Is that good? No. <laughs> oh. I mean, okay, I've only actually seen it the one time in theater. Um, and actually, me and my friend Lawrence, uh, we both w- went to it. And I can't remember what the 
pretext of that was. It's just like, let's go to a mm-hmm. movie, and we went to Village of the Damned. Um, and I think actually the draw for that was Mark Hamill was in it, um, mm-hmm. and being like a, a in that period of time where I was like really into Star Wars. Um, back before it was like really cool to be into Star Wars. Um, right. Cause I was like having to rely on like Timothy Zahn uh, novels and stuff like that. And like the odd, like old Marvel comics that you could find like in dollar, mm-hmm. bish, uh, dollar bins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we watched village of the damned and like Christopher Reeve, it's like pre uh, horse riding accident, leaving him uh, quadriplegic. Um, but oh it's just like, God. it's, it's just like not, not, there's nothing to really talk about village of the damned. So, I mean, sure. um, but yeah, that was definitely the, probably the first since that was, that was 95. I think I looked it up. It was April. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, within like a few years more, I was like, I think the next year I was watching Halloween six in theater. And, mm-hmm. uh, then I think in 97, uh, I went and saw event horizon, which was definitely, mm-hmm. and probably still is probably one of the, like the freakiest, scariest things I've seen in theater. Right. Um, like not, not very many things have come close to that, like intensity though. I'd say actually when we went to see green room, I was pretty into that this year. Right. Um, when I left my, my armpits were sweaty. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was pretty sweaty too, but not in the armpits and the other uh, crevasse. The, the nether regions? The nether regions, yeah. Uh, so I did some investigating work, and yeah. I think um, I, I think the probable real first uh, horror movie I saw in theaters was the 1995 classic Casper. So there you go. Take so, that as you will. Well, yeah, I think I, I, I saw Casper a few months after Village of the Damned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was only five when I saw that, but uh, I actually did think about it. And the first movie uh, I was actually scared in the theater for would probably be, um, I'm going to sound like a dork, but uh, the remake to The Ring, because I think that came out, when did that come out? 2003 or 2004 or something like that? Oh, I'm um, talking, I'll look it up. Yeah, something like that. So like I would have, I, I remember it was, I think I was in grade seven, so I would have maybe been like 13 years old. And uh, we went to the ring, and people can say whatever they want about that movie, but uh, when I first saw in theaters, I was pretty fucking terrified. 2002. It, so. Uh, uh, so, yeah. again, yeah. I was, was going to so say was, it was definitely 2002 because uh, I went on a date to that movie. Ooh, girl. Yeah. We'll say, hey, that's the same year as Signs. So, I guess I uh, that's when it all started. Um, signs in the ring I saw in theater, and then I was really scared for like that whole year because I was 12 years old. So, there you go. There you go. That's it. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, maybe we'll leave our waxing nostalgic about horror uh, and talk about some later things uh, in, sure. in the further episode coming up. But um, let's maybe just jump right into uh, what we've been uh, creeping on since Friday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the we, whole a whole 40 hours ago. Yeah, 40 hours ago since we talked about that Samurai trilogy, which seems like mm-hmm. su- such a distant memory for me because like, I watched those like a whole week before we watched them. And now it's yeah. like, man, my head's been in a different space since then. But, uh, well, oh, you know what, though? Before we get to that, I should tell you, what? we should talk about our, our, our uh, evening last night that we uh, mm-hmm. spent separately from one another. Um, uh-huh. But we were like only like a block or two away from one another. Mm-hmm. But to be, um, to be alone with you, man. Yeah. So like um, I think yeah, in the last episode, uh, we were talking about how my girlfriend, she was off at an art party hanging mm-hmm. out with the upper crust people. Um, yeah. Well, Saturday was the art openings. 
Uh, and I haven't gone to an art opening for since probably February of this year. Um, so uh, some other plans had fallen through with uh, my usual Saturday crew, and uh, which was going to involve watching WrestleMania 8. And that's going to be delayed till next week. But so instead, I got to schmooze and walk around in white walled spaces and looking at uh, artistic endeavors made by strangers. Um, there was, I don't know, there's not much to say about any of the art I saw. It wasn't really my thing in those two cases. Uh, then we walked over to a nearby uh, record shop, which was having a little art opening in the back. And it also had a uh, musical performance by a band that I didn't actually catch the name of, but they seemed pretty competent, <laughs> which is like... Fart Mama? What? Was the band named Fart Mama? N- nope. Um, I don't know what they're called, but the lead okay. singer, she had some uh, really great pipes on her. She like was belting out songs and sounded really good. Um, sometimes I usually have my like standards for like local small bands fairly low. Um, but no, they were like really good actually. And they were just doing covers and stuff like that. But I was like pretty pleased with that. Um, and I think that's around the time that you were texting me that you were going to uh, the nearby Oktoberfest in the uh, park. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we were like, well, maybe, maybe we'll see each other. Maybe we'll, we'll pass by. And, uh, that just didn't happen. No. Well, you told me where you were going to be. So I, uh, I immediately took evasive action and avoided you. Cause if there's one person you don't want to cross paths with in a dark park, it's uh Jarrett Fillmore Duncan. Mm-hmm. My many so, victims can attest to that. This is true. Well, not only a few, only the survivors. That's right. Um, so yeah, at that point, uh, we wandered over to, uh, another gallery, which, uh, in the basement of which my girlfriend has her studio and Mm -hmm. there were some, uh, live performances going down, uh, one from a, uh, duo that's from, uh, the Netherlands and Finland. And they're kind of doing this like minimalist kind of like art girl hipster thing that I actually kind of like, it wasn't too bad. Um, I think a lot of people kind of like got uh, bored of it, even though it was only like 20 minutes long. Um, mm-hmm. They have songs about cats and uh, sure. other such nonsense, but I don't know. I, I kind of was into it. I thought it was all right. Um, but that all built toward uh, this one fellow that my girlfriend had met the following night. Uh, I believe his name was Hugo, and he's a French-Canadian man, and he was doing a performance mm-hmm. also uh, at this same space uh, in the basement. And um, it involved him uh, speaking uh, completely in French. And uh, he had, it's kind of like if you're familiar with like Dadaism and like the art movement of Dada from like, it's like 1920s stuff. Um, and so nobody knows. Well, well, probably not, but some might. Uh, anyway, it's nonsense. Lots of like making paper costumes and stuff like that. Sort of nonsense. Um, well, so his whole setup was he had uh, two music stands and he had a table and he also had a like HD television on a uh, stand. And mm-hmm. after he kind of like uh, monologued in French for a bit to an English speaking audience, he went and turned on the television and he proceeded to play the film Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens. And then he proceeded. Uh, okay. Yeah. So uh, then he, so we got to watch that kind of for about five minutes, kind of like waiting to see what the next step of this performance was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. And of course it was all reminding me how much I don't like that movie uh, force awakens at all. Sure. Um, 
you and I actually went to see that last year, late last year. Um, and I didn't really think much of it then and watching it on TV and just like seeing kind of like just how dodgy it looks and like how like scenes just don't feel like have any weight to them whatsoever. I was just Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God. Like I thought this was going to turn into a performance where we were going to watch it with him for two hours. And I was kind of like, Oh Uh, my God, we're leaving if this keeps going. But then it kind of, uh, uh, starts shifting gears as he kind of starts pulling out these metal poles and, um, inserting them into beer bottles and breaking Uh. these beer bottles and creating, uh, his these sort of spears <laughs> with them, okay. uh, and, and and he starts uh, he starts uh, yeah inserting uh, these metal rods into beer bottles, uh, taping them up on the end so the beer bottle will stick to it, and then you, he goes over to another space, and you're really like not sure what the next step is. Then he proceeds to just drink beer directly out of the bottle through this metal tube. Um, and he chugs this all down. Yes. So, I mean, I think you could appreciate it. Um, Mm -hmm. and then the next one, he starts riding around, uh, on one of the metal rods with a beer bottle on the end of it. And then he simulates, uh, urinating with, uh, this beer bottle metal tube thing. Um, simulate was like a liquid hitting the floor. Well, no, it it was, so it was, so it was the beer from the bottle leaking through this metal tube that it's connected to and he had the mm. tip of the metal uh where his penis is and it was just sure. beer coming out of there so it started Bush going League, into if it was me so i would that's the opposite so that's the opposite of you because you you would mm-hmm. be angry that this man was wasting perfectly good beer yeah i'm in the uh the stephen king approach uh when it comes to alcohol if uh, you see a single drop get wasted you have to fucking go tell that person what a piece of shit they are like right just finish up your drink. That's all it is. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. You you uh, subscribe to uh, 80 Stephen King's mindset. Yeah, exactly. But um, which is fine. I mean, as long as I'm functioning, I don't think it's no. right. Yeah. Uh, it's just let people know that RJ doesn't remember recording any episode of the podcast. What's a podcast? And so uh, the next step that he had, uh, and of course, like, keep in mind that while this is all happening, the Star Wars film continues to play and acts as a soundtrack to his performance. Yeah, yeah, there was uh, some more beer bottle involved things with metal tubes and and the Canadian flag. Um, And then Mm -hmm. he starts to, then he puts on another pair of pants on top of his regular pants. Um, And then he starts taking off his clothing and then he's just down to his uh, good old wife runs and he's mm-hmm. just kind of walking around. And then he disappears behind a curtain and removes his boxers. And then he comes out from behind that and you just get to see some penis. Um, just like okay. full on, just nude man uh, walking about. He mm-hmm. uh, puts on that Canadian flag around his shoulder. He has his uh, spear and broken glass and his, he starts using the table as a shield. So I guess it's to evoke some Sparta imagery, a la Zack Snyder's 300. <laughs> and, um, mm. and he, uh, I think at one point he was supposed to take one of these, uh, beer bottles attached to a metal pole and hurl it toward the brick wall, uh, to the far side, but the beer bottle okay. broke before that could happen. And he just kind of rolled with it. Cause that's what happens in these performance art things. And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that just kind of made a mess on the floor. He still hurled the metal rod. Um, he had a set aside a, uh, podium, of first, second and third place. 
He got on top of the first place. He was standing on that. It collapsed beneath him. He fell through it. Uh, it could be, it's hard to tell if that was planned or not. Um, and then he just kind of got up and left and was never seen again. And that's art, I, RJ. I hate it. I hope he's never seen again by anyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he was doing a big um, homage to uh, Pasolini's Salo. So uh, you'll you'll get it. You'll get it in a couple of days here, RJ. Don't worry. Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you that I'm going to watch that movie, but there's a good chance I'm just not going to. I'll just wing it. You're going to hate, I, you're, you're, you're going to hate watch it at least. Yeah, I, I can hate watch stuff. I can hate watch things with the best of them. Remember, uh, remember um, Jurassic World? Oh, yeah. yeah. That happened. That happened. I don't know what I'm talking about, but that movie stinks. Anyway, so yeah, naked artists uh, aside, that was my Saturday night. But amongst sure. all that, I was watching some movies. You sure were. You yeah. sure were. Yep. And you were trying. Uh, I tried, but uh, as we previously disclosed, uh, it's only been about 40 hours since the last episode. And within that 40 hours, there's been two nights of sleep. So let's say an average eight each. So that's 16 out of the 40. So there's only 24 hours left. Mm-hmm. And then I worked all day yesterday. And most of today until the podcast. So there was only really about six hours. I had six or seven hours I had free since the last podcast. And in that six or seven hours, I fit in three movies for you. I hope you're fucking happy. Well, I'm still disappointed, but. Well, it's not going to be an issue in future episodes because I'll have like an entire week to watch these movies and I'll fit them in like all over the place. But I mean, I. I was working with what I had, okay? That's all I can say. Okay. Well, you know what? Time uh, isn't a factor. We're, we're going to get to that, but we're going to take a quick break. So join us <gasps> on the other side, and we're going to talk about movies, which is, I guess, maybe what you're here for. creatures surges from the dark and violent sea to conquer the earth. 
Maybe intelligent enough to perceive man as a competitor. Why the girls? It's my theory that these creatures are driven to mate with man now in order to further develop their incredible evolution. Awake to a terrifying riptide of humanoids from the deep. We think we know where these things come from, but we have no idea how many there are. The Earth plunges into a battle for the survival of the fittest, where man is the endangered species and woman the ultimate prize. Anywhere you run, anytime you stop, they will find you. Doug McClure, Anne Terkel, Vic Morrow. Humanoids from the deep. And we're going to talk about what we're creeping on the last two days. Because it's <laughs> October. Um, I'll go first. Because I watched a movie right after we recorded our last episode. Okay. And so I guess I should talk a little bit about what, what I'm doing. Um, if you head over onto uh, Letterboxd, I have a list uh, of my 31 Days of Horror 2016 dice roll chart. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I created a list of 100 movies and uh, it's, they're all, it's kind of like there, there's a kind of like mini themes on that list. So there's like the f- one through five are non-exploitation films, uh, six through right. 15 are uh, uh, Hess Franco movies, that kind of thing. Cause I have this like larger pool of movies that I build on like year after year. Um, and I just like kind of went through that and was like trying to figure out themes based on like, I don't know, like, what are the horror anthologies on here? What are, I don't know, some Asian horror movies I want to watch? That kind of thing. Movies with, like, right. uh, Brian Yuzna movies. And then what I decided to do, just because I like to introduce more chaos into my life than there already is, uh, I would roll uh, percentile dice to determine what I'm going to watch. And the order of what I watch will just be completely at random. Um, and mm-hmm. so... Uh, I rolled my dice and the first movie that came up was Necromantic 2, uh, directed Ugh. by, uh, you haven't even seen these movies, but, I'm uh, not gonna watch those fucking movies. You're never, you're, yeah, they're not, I'm they're, never going to watch them, but listen, they're not RJ movies. Uh, I, I would, I would never say, Hey RJ, you know, you should really check out, you should watch Shram. Um, but anyway. Uh, for people who don't know what we're talking about, Necromantic 2 is from uh, 1991. It's a, it's a German film from the Deutschland, uh, directed mm-hmm. by one Jörg Buttergeit. Um, so I watched probably my first Jörg Buttergeit film, uh, Shram, a few years ago, uh, probably 2012. And it just kind of come up in like a list of like really dark, disturbing horror movies. Um, and like, once you get to a point with like horror movies where you're just like, you're looking for like your next hit and you want something a little bit more seedier, like a little bit off the beaten path. Um, Mm -hmm. you, you start, it starts taking us to some dark places. You start really winding up like Frank from Hellraiser, which RJ will understand uh, here in a little while. But Mm-hmm. So I I watched Shram and it's like it's a movie that gets you inside the mind of a serial killer or a man who is going to become a serial killer and the story of a woman that he's like got interest in and it's just like a slow burn of like kind of like non-professional actors going about their day-to-day life and eventually wanting to kill people. Um and 
it's interesting enough of a movie. I wouldn't, I don't hate it or anything like that. But then, like, I was looking at his other films, which are these necromantic movies, which I'd only ever like heard of from afar. It's not like you'd walk into a video store and ever see these. Um, it like you're like blockbuster or something like that. But these are like always the movies that like they're like like you know they're about necrophilia. That, let's just let's just put that right out there. Um, oh, you don't say. But and they're not just like movies where it's like this character is going to have uh, sex with fake corpses off camera. They're going to do it like right in the middle of this movie. So uh, with necromantic movies, you get uh, basically fake looking, gross looking though uh, corpses getting dug out of the ground by these people who are like unassuming people like you or I. Um, but they just have a sexual preference toward banging rotting flesh. Sure. Um, so I watched the first Necromantic, I guess, last year. Um, I never rated it. It's just one of those movies where, like, you just don't feel like you have much to say about this type of thing. Um, you can't really rate them like you would, say, I don't know, Citizen Kane um, mm-hmm. or, like, something. They're just kind of like these movies that are there. Um, and... I, I have Necromantic 2 on Blu-ray, just like these other ones, because I'm an idiot and I buy these things. Um, yep. Yep. And so I was like, well, I guess I have to put Necromantic 2 on my list. And sure enough, it's the first thing that came out of the draw. So at least I got it out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. I guess like my biggest takeaway with this movie is that uh, I really like just dislike all of uh, the director's like taste in like, like, sound effects even like it just comes down to like like the whole the end of the movie is actually almost really good Mm -hmm. um basically what happens is uh she okay the whole story goes that there's this nurse and she's a necrophile and the whole beginning of the movie you get to see her go find a corpse select a corpse of like a former lover who's killed himself uh Mm -hmm. while i think we we had a depiction of him he uh was jerking off and then like killed himself with a kitchen knife as you do. Well, who hasn't done that? Right. Who hasn't had that happen in their life, in their yeah. own family? And uh, so he's dead, and she's sad about this. And so she digs up his body and takes his corpse back to her house. And she mm-hmm. tries to have, like, uh, well, she has sex with it. But it's just oh, it's just not, something's just off. Something's just not right. Um, and so obviously the body's just going to continue to decompose while there. But she's also started up a relationship with a man who does, like, uh, overdubs on porn films. Okay. Yeah, as you do, as we all know, someone that works in that industry. Yeah. Yeah. So you get these like kind of weird, funny scenes of like him just like per- like doing voice dubbing over pornography of like, oh yeah, uh, and making like the like flesh sounds and like like uh, yeah, it's and it's like this other woman like is doing the woman sounds and they're in a recording booth and like they couldn't be more bored or interested in one another and just they're just like watching like bad looking like uh 80s pornography or just like butts grinding on one another ooh i like butts yeah we we all love butts <laughs> yeah. um so they have a relationship but it's like there's just something missing i guess it's because uh he's not dead for her i guess um mm-hmm. but there's like a there's a, a real vintage uh rj scene in this movie oh fuck off so the way it goes about um so this nurse she gets together with all of her like friends and they all get together uh, to watch a videotape that someone's brought along. And this videotape is uh, documentation of a seal being dismembered. And it's just like, 
this, why? Why indeed? But like this, so the whole sequence though, what it is is like it cuts to like the footage, and it's just like, oh look, it's a dead seal on this like metal platform, and now its head's being chopped off, and you just get like everything like is being pulled apart, like it's just being like dissected, and what okay. what what happens is they cut back. And it's these two, these like five or six women sitting on like in a living room on a, on the on couches, and they're like eating <sighs> cake, and they're just like eating and watching it, and like they're not really having like a real aversion or any sort of reaction other than they're just watching this. And this scene goes on Dumb. for I don't know seven or eight minutes, and it's just like, what is this? Like it doesn't make any sense. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like. Cause I mean, I guess like the, I just watched cannibal Holocaust the other week and at least like, yeah, I mean in that movie, they like horrifically dismember a turtle, but it seems right. to have served some sort of purpose in the narrative to a degree. But in this, it's just like there, it's just sort of like put in. Cause it's like, I'm not sure where this footage came from other than like, I don't know, uh, perhaps like an animal rights group has like circulated mm-hmm. this, but you don't get that. That's like any sort of message this movie is trying to communicate. Um, but cause like, I mean, I do know that like, I guess like, is it Europe? They seem to have some real strong objections to like the seal hunt in Canada. Um, and I, like, I know a lot of people who have some pretty well, strong but, but, objections. But, but, but I know that's like, but, the, but there's some like act, like one of the strong activist things has like always been that, even though like every country, it's like one of those, like, just like, there, it's such hypocrisy, mm-hmm. I guess, like for any country to have issues when they're like in their own backyard, they're doing something. I talked about this before with like, when bull I watched fighting. like the uh, bullfighting, where like, I watched that documentary, The Cove, about like the dolphin hunt in Japan. Yeah. But it's like, well, you know, Canada, uh, they, they do stuff too. It's just yeah. like one of those things, like no one looks in the mirror in this. So like the scenes just sure, dumped sure. into the necrophile movie about corpse fucking. And it's just like, what is this scene? And like, it's just like, it goes on. Um, I think at this point I started like, uh, doing like seven minute workout. Um, and so I kind of just like, was like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm, seven minute abs. Yeah. No, not abs. That that's impossible. It's gotta be eight mm-hmm. minutes. No, eight minute abs. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Anyways. So, uh, no, I, I zoned out that bit of it. Um, but so what the whole payoff of the movie, I guess, is like her ex-boyfriend corpse is like really, uh, falling apart. She's got his penis on a plate in her, uh, fridge as you do. Um, Mm -hmm. and like, she's like starting to think about killing her like current boyfriend who's not dead. Uh, one thing uh-huh. leads one thing leads to another, and it seems like a reconciliation between the living uh, couple is going to happen. But it turns out, no, she's going to she's going to have to do something about this living situation. And so she uh, just like takes a meat cleaver and cuts off her uh, her boyfriend's head while they're like having sex while she's on top of him and it's like pretty like crazy how violent this is like it's really well done considering like how low budget this stuff is and it is low budget um but like there's like some work put into like sort of the practical effects which i always will appreciate and then so she cuts off his head and then she like gets up and there's just like a shot of like his penis (laughs) as she's left the room and then she comes back because she's actually come back with her uh dead boyfriend's head and has put it onto the body and so then she proceeds to finish uh the the act of sex while riding on top of his writhing uh body as like those like last bits of um 
neurons fire off. And uh, so, yeah, she finishes having sex. And, of course, like, uh, the, the stump of this man's body continues to ejaculate blood, RJ, ejaculate blood onto her. I and fucking she, hate you. And she finishes. She, she finishes. She finishes. He, uh, the, the corpse uh, comes inside of her, and she kisses the rotting head. And then we cut to her in a hospital hallway, and a doctor comes walking down, and he informs her that she's pregnant. They did I think, it. I think I think you're a really bad person um, for not only supporting these movies, watching these movies, but giving this movie. I can't not even a movie giving this thing so much time and attention. You're you're just you're a bad person, Jared. Uh. That's it. That's all there is. Yeah. You know, the bad person. Well, you know what? Uh, German officials back in the day, they, uh, they try to take this movie away and destroy the film negative. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Eh, You know, I think the world's fine with this existing. Um, It's not like it's out there or anything. It's not falling into people's hands. It's like a. Well, you got a copy. I I do. I, I, I ordered it from Amazon, my friend. It is commercially available, still in print from our friends at uh, Call Epics. Uh, snag yourself a copy, folks, if this has sounded at all enticing to you. Um, I, I want to, uh, I'm going to go here out on a limb here to implore people to keep listening to the podcast, even though the last 10 minutes exist in the world. Just please give us another chance. Don't, don't let him ruin it for you. Hmm. That, that's, that's okay. all I want to say. Well, so on the flip side, um, like the exact opposite movie was then selected by the dice. Um, I got to watch uh, the film The Walking Dead, uh, not the movie or TV show, but uh-huh. the 1936 film starring Bor- Bar- uh, Boris Karloff, directed Boris by Karloff. Uh, directed by uh, Michael Casablanca Curtis. Um, okay. And it's like, yeah, you couldn't really get much further removed from Necromantic 2 than this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, God, what's there much to say about this? It's about a man who is framed by some racketeers, uh, for killing a judge who was going to start making trouble, uh, investigating their rackets. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they frame poor Boris Karloff, whose character was just recently released from jail, uh, kind of like on a trumped up manslaughter charge where he punched a guy who died and he went away for 10 years and he hit the judge that they're after was the guy who sentenced him. So he's like the perfect fall guy for this. Um, but there's like some witnesses that saw that he didn't actually do anything to this judge. And they're kind of like too slow to like actually do anything about it. Um, so he's gets executed, uh, even though they do finally come forward, but it just turns out that the uh, couple that saw this, uh, the, the man in this relationship, he's involved in some scientific experience or experiments that involve bringing back the dead. Okay. So to do, uh, this poor man, a solid, they bring him back from the dead after he's been executed. Cause he's been, yeah. yeah Cause they, he's already been proven that, well, he didn't actually do it, but the exoneration didn't come till after he'd already been killed. So now he's alive, but he's got some sort of, uh, you know, brain damage and, uh, or something's off with him. Okay. Like he doesn't remember anything. Um, but then he starts like, he was a musician in his previous life and he hears some music and he, uh, kind of like snaps too, but now he's kind of become a, uh, a vehicle for his own revenge against these racketeers. And it's just kind of this like 
story about him uh, tracking down and finding the men who wronged him in uh, his previous life of a mere few weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. Uh, he goes about doing that. It seems like he doesn't really do anything other than like walk toward people. And then they kind of like fall, like they, they hold a gun toward him, but then they trip over and then the gun goes off in their hand into their own head, that type of stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's like, it's a nice movie. It, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. Like unlike necromantic, which is mean and, mm-hmm. uh, it's just sort of inoffensive, uh, but also kind of generic. It's like only like 74 minutes long. So it just blasts on by. Um, I don't really have too, too much more to say. It's actually a movie that, uh, old James Rolfe of Cinemasker's monster madness brought up uh, a few years mm-hmm. ago. And so it always kind of been on my radar. And then it kind of got brought up again. Cause there was a, a list, uh, I think like bloody disgusting did of like the best horror movie of every year since 1920. Mm-hmm. And, um, contrary to like what you might think there was like a real, uh, there's many years where there's like dry spells of horror, like from, like you just think that like nowadays that like horror movies are constantly being made, but in the first half of like the 20th century, it wasn't like every year there'd be like a handful, and then there'd be years where like horror movies were not like bankable box office movies, and they just didn't get made, and there wasn't very much to be talked about, or right. or if they did get made, they're like not available at all, and like they're not mm. talked about in like popular conversation because there wasn't like in these like in the say like the later 30s or through the 40s like suspense thrillers kind of like became sort of like what horror was, but then they'd have like someone would make a hit horror movie and then everybody copies that formula till it's dead for about three, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, recommendation for people. If you want an interesting look at film history, uh, if you go to, onto letterbox and look and you use like your genres and stuff like that, if you look at every film by year by horror movie, you can see those really weird drop-offs of horror like, and mm-hmm. you can actually look and go, oh, there was only like maybe 26 movies considered horror films made in an entire year compared to now where it's like, you know, several hundred, yeah, several hundred movies a year are getting made. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily even have everything, but yeah, it's like, and plus like too, like as uh, later generations come out, like you're, you're not going to have people researching like every horror movie that came out in like 1939 or something like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. so it's like those, the lists are kind of like tough to look at because you're like, well, what's the best horror movie of 1937? Oh, it's like this like Chinese movie that like no one's heard of called like songs of blood. And it's like, try to find a copy of that. And like most people go, well, it's okay. But it was like the only horror movie that came out that year. Right. But it's neither here nor there. No, it's neither. I'll let you interject, though, RJ, because I know you've watched a few movies. So, what what name? What was the first thing that you watched? Oh, well, that's very nice of you. You're welcome. Uh, well, I can I can blow through the three movies that I watched pretty quickly. Um, well, you can just like talk about the first one and then. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the first one uh, that I watched to kick things off, um, which wasn't actually what was planned, but uh, that's a tale for another day. Uh, so my what was in initially my second movie and supposed to be my second movie ended up being my first and it was the 1976 film the town that dreaded sundown oh yeah so i thought this movie was uh pretty good what's it about what's this movie about uh so okay wait i gotta ask you this so this is one of those movies that um continually references true events and stuff like that i wanted i didn't I don't want to bother looking up things myself. I can just ask you, is this actually a true story or yes. is it a true story like how 
Uh, child's Play is a true story. Uh, it's not unlike Child's Play. Uh, this, this is, is actually, this is real. Okay. Yeah, there is an actual, uh, I guess, like serial killer operating in Texarkana in like, yeah, the mm-hmm. 50s and it was never captured. Yeah, okay. So, okay, now that I know it's real. So the movie depicts some events that I, I think happened in like the late 50s or so. Maybe you just said that. I don't even remember. Anyways, happened in like the 50s or 60s in Texacana, Arkansas. There was a series of murders that happened. Very like Zodiac, hook hand, urban legend murders where it was like teens that were parked necking like out in the woods or on like the overlook and stuff like that. Uh, There was a series of murders there where every three weeks uh, like a... He, someone murdered a couple and it, the the woman was usually murdered in like a very weird um, ritualistic kind of manner and the town deemed the killer the phantom because nobody ever saw him nobody ever caught him so he was like a phantom uh, so the movie depicts the the events that happened it tell basically covers all the murders and then what uh, the police were doing during like for their investigation that's what the movie's about um i thought it was pretty good uh i i do think it has kind of a weird tone because it's like and not that it's like bad because there's a a lot of movies that balance these but it was like a horror a horror movie but also like kind of a weird not slapstick but very goofy comedy also so like you you might disagree with that, but this is the way I, no. I this is the way I I, I interpret it. Like no. all the scenes with like the murders and stuff, I thought were like pretty awesome. Pretty awesome, yeah. They were like those are like very like very grounded, real like disturbing murders. Yes. And then you would go to the police, and they were like dressing up as women, which I guess probably did happen, but like they were very like joking with mm-hmm. each other very jovially where it was just like it's like you nimwa or you nip stick you you dumb dumb and then it was like the music was like don't don't no no like very nope. it, it was super like <laughs> playful and like so there are horror movies that have comedy in them and do it very well i.e 2002's signs by m night Shyamalan and necromantic uh, too fuck off um so like there's there's movies that uh do that very well but i thought in this movie it was a little like i don't know like i wasn't expecting it i guess is what i what i'm trying to say well did you read a uh, did you uh like read anything about the director charles b pierce in like his uh, the o- the only thing i knew about this movie is i thought the co- or like the poster was fucking rad and that was why i wanted to right. watch it yeah so like so charles b pierce he was like uh i guess you'd call him like a, he's a regional filmmaker um, okay. so he started off, he actually made, uh, some Bigfoot movies. Uh, he did this one called the legend of Boggy Creek, which was 73. Ooh. Um, but yeah, like him talking about like, uh, whatever, like the Fook monster or whatever it is. Um, and like, so yeah, he, he this like sort of like, he was kind of doing the, uh, the docudrama thing where he's just like doing these recreations of like, uh, events from the area, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like legend of Boggy Creek. It's like, it's got some like kind of like 
interesting because it's like shot in such like a matter of fact way of like Bigfoot like coming up to your door and like peeking in your window and stuff like that. And it's like, I'm just like, oh, like that's kind of off putting. And so Mm -hmm. like the town that dreaded sundown, it's kind of like half of the movie that's really successful is like that the recreations of the actual crimes that Mm -hmm. they knew. But then there's like the almost like the framing device movie part where it's like. Uh, like where it's like, yeah, you're, you get to know the police and you get all like the bad jokey humor stuff with the police. And yeah, yeah like it's like them, like all, here's the police officers. They have to dress as women, wear high heels. And then they get to like walk into the room and people like wolf whistle and stuff like that. And it's all like, yeah. it's like, you know, there's like people being murdered, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Exactly. Like, cause the whole time I was thinking about this, uh, I was thinking about Zodiac, like oh, David Fincher's Zodiac. 100%. Yeah. Be- because because I was thinking, I was like, you know, that movie has very similar plot points, like, or yeah. it follows a very similar progression. Yeah. Uh, and in that movie, I don't like they don't do it, but like, if the cops like dressed up as women, I could see how it would happen, and I can see like how David Fincher would do that, and it would be in a very like, I don't know, it'd be like serious, you know, like. Well, or did, like they would have, he'd probably add jokes, but not in the way no. where like in, did, in this one, like it yeah. seemed like it was friends or yeah, something. D- David Fincher's not a funny director at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, so I'm not sure what the point of like that, that humor it is. Cause like for me, like it really like dials back what this movie could be, I guess. But like, if yeah, you just take, exactly. if you just take those reenactments of the crimes, like, which are like really like haunting, um, mm-hmm. Like particularly the one where it's like he just appears at the window and with the shotgun and just kills the man through the window and then the woman yeah. goes running through the cornfield. That whole sequence, it's just like terrifying. Yeah. Um or like yeah, the lover really the good. lover's lane scenes, because it's just like shot in this like matter of fact way with this like man with a bag over his head. Cause it's like, yeah, and like I'm pretty sure like David Fincher probably is aware of this movie because like mm-hmm. um like I think some of like the visual stuff he would have drawn on in Zodiac, because it's like the scene where like he kind of shows up in like I guess like almost like the beekeeper outfit and like mm-hmm. it's just like they're on the lake and it's just like uh rolling your backs and he ties your hand behind your back it's like it's it's like that stuff is horrific um yep. and like i feel like there's like that's like why i like would even recommend town of the dreaded sundown to anybody just because of those mm-hmm. reenactments which are like really spooky um yeah. no all that stuff was really good really good yeah. so um i i looked I looked at the page. It's 1946 is when this stuff okay. happened. Uh, so it's like a drive-in soda pop era. Yeah. Lover's Lane. Yeah. yeah. Right oh. out of World War II when uh, – oh, I think actually they mentioned that at the start. It's like the troops are – or most of them are home, but there's still people – or like the troops coming home. So it's like yeah. U- USA in general was in this time of rebuild, like not rebuilding because like the war wasn't there. But you know what I mean, like re – uh, assimilating into having like the soldiers back and stuff like that. Right. But, um, so yeah, I was, I was just going to say like, I think like tonally that stuff is a little bit weird, but yeah, all the, uh, all the actual like, uh, murder reenactments are really, really good. Um, I, I think visually, even the trumpet kill. <laughs> okay. I was going to, I was going to save that, but, uh, I, I don't want to talk about it, but the trumpet thing, like I have, I don't know what that means. Um, like I, I'm, I can only assume that that's, must have been what they actually found so that's why they included it in there uh, yeah. if it was an elaboration i don't know why you would do that i I, I i want to i think that must have been an elaboration because it's like who would have been around to collaborate like on that information other than yeah all, all i heard was a sound, a sound of a trumpet and they, after each trumpet blow i heard a woman scream like, well, like I, I just don't maybe think... they found the weapon like with the knife taped to the yeah. trumpet. that's the only that's the only way i could like I think that it 
they used it, uh, use like real stuff for it, but right. I don't really, I don't really buy that. But uh, anyways, the one thing I thought was awesome was uh, just visually, he looks amazing. Like the just, it's so simple, like just a bait, like a sack on his head. Yeah. And like when there's scenes where he's kind of like in the trees, he's like breathing really heavy, and you see like the sack kind of like go in and out, like into his mouth and stuff. It's yeah. Awesome. That stuff looks really good. And uh, I actually, uh, throughout the movie, there's like a narration. I actually really like that. Like oh, yeah. I, uh, after I watched it, I perused the letterbox and it seems like some people aren't really down with that. But uh, I, I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. I like the narration. So uh, Town That Dread uh, Sundown, uh, pretty solid flick. I would recommend other people to watch it. Uh, there are some things I don't like, but uh, on the whole, those uh, the murder scenes are worth it to watch, I think. Yes. Yeah. That, uh, that's pretty well where I'm at with that movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I guess probably around the same time you were watching that, uh, I woke up Saturday morning and, uh, I was like, you know what? Uh, time to roll the dice. And next up for me was a, uh, what I guess like classify as lo-fi horror, which just means it's like movies that were shot with like micro budgets, like super low budget <laughs> movies, like shot in any period of time, but with like, you know, under $10,000 and just with people with a lot of ambition and people who like gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I rolled up uh, was these, this French film called Devil Story from 1985. Okay. And it's, uh, I don't know where to begin even describing the plot of this movie. So I'm not going to try too, too hard. Um, but it's about uh, this deformed man who wears sort of a German Nazi officer jacket and he's just going around knifing people like at random in like the French woods. And that's like the first 10 minutes, which are amazing. Like honest to God, if that was like the whole movie, I would have been in heaven because that movie actually does exist. It's called, uh, Ogoff, Ogroff, the mad mutilator. And it's basically that except it's shot in, but with like a super eight camera, um, and it's also French and the movie is just like, it's just like a, a day in the life of a movie mass murderer killer kind of thing. Uh, I love that movie devil story. It's like, it starts off the exact same way and I was like super happy and excited, but then it kind of drifts off into like actually having a story, which is always a bit of a letdown. What are you doing over there? Uh, sorry. It was that I, I was honestly just, I was totally zoning out for a second. But <laughs> sorry distracting my yeah, bad your loud sounds um yeah. come on it's devil story time Sorry. uh okay so continue. i don't know at some point like i was paying attention watching this movie but like a horse appears and it's just a horse running around a black horse and it's just running around and then like this horse apparently is like pissed off this like old french farmer who's like spends the rest of the movie trying to like sh- like shotgun to death this horse but he can't catch the horse and so it's why, him like why would he want to kill the because the horse is evil i guess it's a bad horse and he's like it's just him like trying to kill this horse but he's like in his failure to do so so he's standing in a field and he's just like shooting at this horse and the horse just keeps like circling around running around and this old man mm-hmm. can't kill him and that's an ongoing uh motif of the movie uh and Sounds then bad. there's a point where a uh a mummy is unearthed like an actual like like good old fashioned mummy monster. Uh, and so this mummy starts walking the French countryside. Okay. Uh, there's a, a girl, uh, I think like someone dies and now she's like running away from the, uh, the Nazi uniform wearing, uh, deformed man. Um, I guess like who's like mother is abusive of him and stuff like that. 
I I don't know. It's just a movie that's more about its feeling of watching it. Like, cause this movie just like blew by. Um, I yep. kind of, I enjoyed like watching it cause you just kind of kept going, what? And like, it's got this like fairly interesting score that like keeps the movie from like being exposed as being really poorly made. Cause like this like overbearing like audio score, like this not like synchronous music where mm-hmm. like everything like matches up. It's just like this loud music that plays over everything. So scenes can just cut randomly and it doesn't like jar as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's like, and like lots of good practical gore effects. Like the, the, the deformed man gets a big piece of his like forehead cut out and just like, he just, Oh my God. And he's, and he just, but he doesn't actually say, right. Oh my God. He goes, mm, mm. and that's his entire like, uh, dialogue in the entire movie is, mm, which okay. I, I'm fine with. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this girl just runs away from this guy for, like, the whole movie, runs through this field where the old man's trying to kill this old, this horse, um, and <laughs> this, this, the, the deformed guy running after, and I think he gets, like, set on fire with gasoline twice in, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, um, I don't know if I'm going to watch that one. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I wouldn't recommend this one to you. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's a movie that, like, it seems like its audience will find it. Uh, it's it's sure. one of those movies that, like, on Letterboxd, like, there's, like, people who give this one star, and then there's people who give it five stars, and then there's yeah. the people who are, like, in the middle. And I think, like, mo- it's, this is a movie that, like, if you're, like, ready to embrace sort of these, like, um, lo-fi, like, kind of, like, not, it's, it's shot on film, but it's, like, fairly close to being shot on video horror, which I've, I've kind of become a fan of, uh, here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, like, totally, like, in that sort of stream. But there's, like, a real, uh, point where you have to come with horror where you're willing to, like, kind of, like, not, like, maybe even lower your standards, but, like, willing to, like, embrace, like, different forms of uh, expression when it comes to your filmmaking to like start finding some of this weird stuff and get some enjoyment out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not for everybody. It, it comes with a trepidatious recommendation for me, but it's like, there's like other places I would recommend people start with. Like if you're wanting to watch like these lo-fi horror movies, um, sure. like for instance, like one shot on video movie that I think is super excellent that I would uh, recommend people try out to see if they could stomach this is uh bleeding skull video. Put it out through Mondo, uh, on VHS and it's called cards of death. Um, I would just like, yeah, I would tell people to look up and read about that. And if that sounds like something they'd be interested in, that would be a, probably the best starting place to kind of uh, make your way into this sort of like weird realm. Cause they've, mm-hmm. they've been putting out a bunch of like these like video oddities. And I think it's like one of those places like where you like, once you've watched like thousands and thousands of movies and you're kind of like, ah, there's gotta be something more interesting than this. Sometimes you have to go to this like straight to video stuff or like minor, like weird, like micro budget stuff to like get something new happening. And like, sometimes they're like really boring for like long, long stretches, but then they'll, you'll see something. You'll be like, what the fuck was that? And it makes it all worth it. Um, Sometimes that's all like Halloween's about is just like scenes that you're like, okay, I was, I'm glad I got to see that even yeah. though I just spent like, I don't know, an hour and a half watching this terrible thing. But there's like one moment that's like makes it worthwhile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, I watched uh, not a horror movie as it turned out. I had kind of thought it was going to be more like in the horror realm, like something like uh, John Frankenheimer Seconds, but it wasn't even quite like that. Um, it's a movie called uh, it's Ucko 
uh, also, I think in English, it's The Ear. And it was released in 1990, but it's actually, mm-hmm. I think it was made in 1970. And it's a it's a Czech film that uh, was suppressed by the government because essentially mm-hmm. it was like talking about sort of the uh, paranoia and horror of uh, socialism and collectivism. Um, the whole story, it's kind of like a uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? sort of okay. set up with between a husband and wife who are kind of at, at each other's throats but mm-hmm. they've they've gone to a party at like a like a at a party's uh get together like within like the like USSR's like um uh communist party type of thing sure. they've actually gone sure. to a party a get together uh where they're like organizing like this particular division that he's part of the main character uh he's a bunch of members of them have disappeared recently and mm-hmm. the whole thing is just like this mounting paranoia of like who's listening in and who's talked to who and what has he written down in his papers and he doesn't know exactly what things he might have written down might get him in trouble um and so his wife who's kind of like a drunken mess because he's just so focused on his work and just has no time for him and uh their relationship's just not very good she's getting like more and more frustrated with this and uh kind of reckless and the whole movie kind of like it's about them going back to their house after this party and Mm -hmm. then like finding weird things out of sorts like keys not being left in the wrong place power being cut um people like it looks like someone's come into the house and move stuff around but they're not sure but they're also aware that this what's the ear is basically like surveillance is like their their house is probably being surveyed because when you're part of the party you probably are going to be surveyed by like other people looking to out you um because that seems to be a real popular thing to happen in socialist countries is purges uh you, you even though you're like yeah, yeah. It, it's just one of those um uh, Films that I'm like, I'm amazed because I was watching and I'm like, well, yeah, this is clearly like like a 70s film. And then mm-hmm. I looked up the release and it was like 1990. I'm like, wait, what? Like, that's amazing <laughs> yeah. that this movie. But then I was like, oh, wait, okay, that makes way more sense. But like, yeah, it's kind of incredible that this film got made at all, like in that country uh, during this period of time, like maybe in between uh, crackdowns and uh, oppressions and uprisings mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of depicting like the the shittiness of living in that system uh, at that time and i mean sure. i always like i always have my mind pretty like like set to the fact it's like yeah no it's like all political systems are probably terrible just like there's like capitalist horror films this just happens to be collectivist uh horror films just depicting like the absurdity of like bureaucratic systems and like people like scheming and like talking nonsensically and you just you don't know who you could trust and like yeah there would be paranoia there so i mean like it's more definitely in the 70s thriller uh side of things rather than a horror film but i've seen some people like describe it as a horror movie um but I mean, I had it on my list as like kind of like one of the more well like on my on my 100 chart. Uh, I had sort of like an area where it's like off from my pool. I looked at what the, what the top 10 percent average rated movies I had on there that I should watch. And this mm-hmm. was just one of them. And okay. so I wound up watching it. It's OK. Like it's like it's like obviously like a, a much better made movie than something like Devil Story um, yeah. or The Walking Dead. Certainly Necromantic 2. Um, uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it like a great piece of filmmaking or anything like that. Like, it seems like it's just fine, uh, overall as a movie. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say like something like, um, 
there's like the movie from like the 2000s, uh, The Lies of Others, which kind of like is definitely in the same uh, ballpark. And I think it's Romanian. And it's sort of like the same period of time. And it's about the men listening in and the people living in this. I think it's like a, just a, it's a better movie on the whole. But it's got some really nice black and white cinematography, if that's sort of your thing. Um, yeah, I'm and, into that. Yeah, uh, I guess like a, a good companion piece to this movie uh, would be, uh, I don't know what, I can't remember what country it's from, but it's called The Cremator. And it is. I think Raul Yulia is in that movie. <laughs> He's in everything, though. I mean, that's. I threw just... you off with that Raul Yulia thing. Yeah. I... Oh, yeah. So The Cremator, uh, it came out in 1969. So right around the same time as this, and it's also Czechoslovakian. Um, but it's sort of more in the vein of like what a man who is willing to, what, what a man's willing to do within the, uh, the system of uh, like the the communist system of of Czechoslovakia uh, and it was also a film that was banned uh, in 1969 after it premiered and remained in the vault until the collapse of communism in Czechoslovakia in 1989. Wait, um, so is Raul Yulia in that? Uh, no, sorry. The fuck am I thinking about then? Who's in that movie? Is it got like Vincent Price or something? The Cremator. Yeah. The, uh, no one you've probably ever heard of, unless you're a big fan of uh, Velasta Kramostova or Rudolf Hushinsky. Uh, yeah. Velasta Shravushka is yeah. like my favorite fucking person in the world. Uh, from director uh, Jura Hares. Come on. Um... So <laughs> you, you figure out what movie you think you're thinking of. <laughs> yeah, that'll be tough. Okay, sure. Okay. Raul uh, Julia. Raul Julia, folks. Yep. Gomez. Gomez. Uh, M. Bison. Ooh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the other movie I watched, I guess, to finish off my day yesterday was Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Ooh, I've seen that one. You did. Um, I have seen that one. Yeah. So for people who don't know, this movie, it's a uh, portmanteau, uh, fancy way of just saying horror anthology. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's set on a train and Peter Cushing plays a gypsy, uh, fortune teller type guy named Dr. Terror. And, uh, he reads the fortunes of five passengers that are sharing the same train, uh, uh train card as him. Okay. Uh, amongst their members is Christopher Lee, who plays an art critic, as well as Donald Sutherland, who plays Donald Sutherland, a Canadian, because he definitely drops a good A in there uh, at mm-hmm. one point that made me chuckle. Um, so Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, uh, I think I would call this pretty generic as far as like yeah. horror stuff goes. Uh, I mean, if you've read uh, an EC Comics comic, uh, mm-hmm. you pretty well know what this is going to be. It's exactly this sort of uh uh hack kind of thing where it's like here's a story but with a twist but they're like not even like really inventive twists uh none of the stories really try to like break ground as far as like what type of stories they're telling uh let's see how do the stories go uh the first one's the werewolf one so it's a guy who's come to like uh i guess do some lawyering job on a like a state and there's a story about well there's a uh, where or someone that was thought to be a werewolf is the grandfather of this, and he was killed, and he's been brought in to I don't know litigate whatever the proper terminology is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out he's been trapped there because the widow is a werewolf too. 
and that's like that's it. Um, that's it. There's some good little like film filmography, I guess, or filmography, cinematography of like men, filmography. men, filmography. There's a shot of like I think like one of the butlers of him just like lurking in the background, being spooky. Um, but like it's like yeah, it's this there. There's the story about the musician who goes to the West Indies and steals some voodoo god's music, and the voodoo god doesn't like that. And then a uh, voodoo man shows up and just like kills him and takes the music back mm-hmm. nothing special uh i was kind of fond of the uh evil plant story uh yeah that one's pretty good actually yeah it's like funny because it's just like oh the this evil plant and like the way they talk about uh how plants have developed intelligence and now have brains and like what's going to happen at this well they'll take over the world and it's just like yep that's just the way uh science the fiction happening. horror in the 50s was written so it's just yeah. it's exactly what you expect um I my highlight though was definitely uh Christopher Lee's art critic story just because of my own relationship with the art world and mm-hmm. I seem to have like it seemed to be attracted to stories involving dis, uh disembodied hands um and this like the whole sequence that like opens it up where it's like uh Christopher Lee's at an art gallery and he's like really shitting on this abstract expressionist paintings and saying that mm-hmm. they're real like they're terrible and then this like woman from the back says well take a look at these paintings these are and he's like ah I see these are made by a genius but then out comes a chimpanzee who drew them all and everyone has a good laugh at him Classic. it's just like none of it, it doesn't like I'm like well that's not how the, any of this stuff works like people yeah. might even think that was great or something like that but uh, Christopher Lee gets really like angry that he's been outed as kind of being a hack I guess Mm-hmm. Um, so he like, he gets all these like l- looks from like this artist that he was shitting on and it's starting to really get to him. He sees him walking across the street one day and he decides I'm going to drive him down with my car. Cause that's what you do. <laughs> I've and, done that to so many motherfuckers who have looked mm-hmm. at me the wrong way. Yeah. Well, and, and for- you're next pal. Well, fortunately you haven't, uh, let any of them continue to live for any amount of time or uh, run no, over I'm a their, professional. Or, or a, so that you ran over there and just cut off their uh, hand and then their hand would come after you. No, I finished the job. Because that's what happens. So the hand proce- proceeds to uh, go after him. Oh, yeah, there's the other thing too where it's like, oh, no, he's lost his hand. Well, he, he can't be an artist now because <laughs> right. that's how that happens, um, especially if you're an abstract uh, expressionist painter. It's like, yeah, I don't know if you need your right hand to make those spots. Um, or, so oh, you're, you're the artist. You yeah. would know. So, yeah, the rest of the thing is just Christopher Lee uh, dodging out on this evil hand that's trying to kill him. Uh, and the last story is involves vampires and Donald Sutherland is in love or married a French vampire and they moved to town. But then the twist is spoilers, by the way, um, spoiler spoilers, uh, that the, his partnered in crime and being a doctor in town, he's actually also a vampire and he just wanted to get rid of this other vampire and Donald Sutherland. Cause he's also a doctor. It's just whatever. And then it turns out that, oh, they're on a train, but their train has already crashed and they're all dead and who gives a shit and mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's inoffensive, but it's like not, you can totally skip it. There's like, I think way better horror anthologies you could probably watch uh, from Amicus, including yeah. probably like, it's been a while, but like the Tales from the Crypt and uh, Vault of Horrors, uh, both those anthologies are better than this. And I'm sure if I put a little bit more thought into it, uh, I could find some other better horror anthologies in general. Like even uh, Cat's Eye, which I think is a lot better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, that Trick or Treat by Michael mm-hmm. Doherty with well, that little big boy. 
To be fair, though, the only real reason to watch Dr. Terror's House of Horrors is if you're a Christopher Lee guy. Yeah. Or uh, Peter Cushing's in that too, right? Yeah, he's the yeah. he's he's so, Doctor Terror. That was why I watched that last year to uh, fit my uh, Christopher Lee quota. But yeah. uh, so he's cool. Yeah. And, and t- I think to be honest, like people who are like big time horror fans, eventually, if you haven't already, you'll gravitate to like the Hammer stuff, and then through via that, you'll just be a Christopher Lee fan. So you'll search out all his stuff. So. That's how I see that. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's the only reason you'd watch that movie. It's oh. Big Chris Lee. So, RJ, what was your second movie? Ooh. Uh, well, my second movie, uh, which was also the first one I watched with Andrea, and uh, I'll just I'll, I'll start with the quote when we were about three quarters away from the movie. Uh, Andrea said, "What a shitty way to start the Halloween season." So that's a fucking seal of approval right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, the second movie I watched was the 1986 uh, weird conglomerate or amalgamation of a movie called Spookies. Uh, so for anyone out there unfamiliar, apparently Spookies is two movies. Um, they went and they filmed a bunch of stuff with one director. And then because of disputes with producers, it got shut down. They hired a different guy. He went and filmed some other stuff, and then they just kind of edited it all together. Is, yep. Is that accurate? That sounds about right. Okay, so uh, the loose plot, because there's not really any plot to this story, uh, is a group of people get lost and find a mansion, and then they go in the mansion, and then they encounter all sorts of ghouls. Uh, also happening is there's some real old fucking magician and he's trying to get a girl to marry him. And, uh, she's like, I don't want to. And he's like, you're going to fucking do it because, um, I got magic. And, uh, the thing that fuels his magic apparently is the people in the house, uh, dying by the ghouls. So I think that's pretty much the only way you could describe this movie, right? Sure. Sure. So it, this is like definition of low budget 80s, uh, just weird move. I don't know. Like it's I don't I don't know how to describe it. Um, but so my girlfriend did not like it. Which yeah. So I, you, after I had watched it, I was like, OK, I, I shouldn't have done this. Well, around the time that I was watching uh, the naked man uh, throwing sp- uh, beer bottle spears around. Uh, yeah. You had texted me asking, hey, what movie do you think Andrew would like more, Spookies or Chopping Mall? And uh, at that time, I had walked away from uh, Wireless, and so mm-hmm. I sent you Chopping, but you didn't receive it for, like, probably another, like, hour. It was, and, yeah. Yeah. So, so we, we were already uh, three quarters of the way done this movie, and you're like, <laughs> Chopping Mall for sure. And I was like, well, it's too fucking late. <laughs> yeah. So um, the reason I had, because, so uh, I'll just, like... Out of my big Halloween list, I have um, specific movies that are there because I think Andrea would enjoy them. Because as some people might know, it's a little tough to get the uh, significant other to enjoy and actually just be a participant in the 
the amount of the glut of movies we watch during the Halloween season. So I have some that I pick out that I think she would like. And uh, for whatever reason, I thought Spookies was that because I, I knew it was like a cult classic movie and it, it was like it, funny and stuff like it that. It sounds so, like it would be, right? It's spook- yeah, it's Spookies. It's spookies, yeah. So I think I think the other thing too, like, because I had it in like my watch list for a long time and then I think I was listening to a podcast last year and some guy was on there going on about how Spookies is like the most underrated hidden gem ever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. I remember I asked you and you're like, nah, Spookies is fine. It's not like, it's not a diamond. No. It's there's more some of good, a moonstone. There's some nice visuals in there, but yeah. it's not on the whole a very good movie. Yeah. No, it's when you watch it, you're like, okay, yeah, this is just a really bad movie. But it does have a few. It's like you were saying earlier. There's a few like legitimately awesome scenes but just very sporadic throughout. So I don't know. I, what, what do you even say about Spookies? There's a werecat kid. Yeah, werecat's uh, wicked. The werecat is wicked. Um, the farting mummies are really cool, or the muck men, whatever you would want to call them. Yep. Uh, the spider woman, fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. That, that whole scene is, re- or that whole like sequence is really good where this like lady turns into a spider and then drains a dude. It's fucking rad. Um, I don't know. That's pretty much all I liked. Uh, one thing I thought was weird is the whole intro is about like this kid who runs away, but then he like finds the abandoned house and there's like a birthday party there for him. And he's like, Oh, you, he's like, you did remember my birthday. And then the kid just dies. And then like, that's it. I was <laughs> yeah, like, I I was like that's so that. fucking weird. Like, <laughs> because like, not even like that they bring it up and just kill him off, but it's yeah. like, it's like, Hey well, kid. You just walk into a random house and there's like cake and presents and stuff and you assume it's for you. Like, what a fucking asshole. Yeah. Well, because that's right off the bat too. Like, isn't the kid the first it's person to die? Yeah. And you're like, whoa, shit, this movie's killing kids now. Yeah. It's the first thing. So, um, yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I'd say anyone who's like into this stuff should probably watch Spookies. Because it has it's a at- wicked movie poster. Yeah, it's got um, a wicked movie. It's Richard, it's Richard Corbin, uh, who's like okay. one of my favorite illustrators. And he's done like really, really like so many good posters, like Dent from the Paradise, for us. another one comes to mind. But yeah, the movie poster is like the best thing about this movie, hands down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's got the weirdest like production history. Because like, yeah, it started off as one movie and then there's like a second movie was like filmed and they just combined them and they, it kind mm-hmm. of like, it kind of works almost. Yeah, like, it does. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's an odd one. Yeah, so it's kind of odd. It was a uh, it was an error on my part to lead off with that one. So yep. trying to convince her into other uh, on the fence movies will be tough. So I mean, I don't know, not much else to say. I uh, that's it. Spookies. That's it. Okay. Well, I got two more, and then you can tell us about what you watched today. Sure. Um, so I I got home last night after the openings, and I'm like, well, better get her, keep moving on. These movies ain't going to watch themselves. So I watched the American The Grudge from 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I always thought it was kind of weird that that movie was also directed by uh, Takashi Shimizu, who also directed uh, the previous Grudge movies, the Juon movies. Oh, I so, didn't know that. Yeah, it's same old guy who directed them. So huh. uh, that which is like kind of unusual. Um, but I guess, and also the cool thing with the movie is it's also set in Japan, which is admirable. Uh, what's not so admirable is the casting of Sarah Michelle Gellar. 
She, yeah. So, uh, yeah, me and Sarah, we used to go out back in junior high and high school uh, when she was a vampire slayer. Yep. Uh, But then right around the end of high school, things kind of uh, wrapped up. Um, Mm -hmm. That was kind of the, uh, I think that was the end of the show. Uh, It it finished. So we were done. Uh, We didn't really see each other after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I haven't really seen her since. And so, uh, it was kind of interesting, uh, seeing Sarah, uh, moving again outside of like action figures and like people drawing cup pictures of her on the front of Buffy, the vampire slayer comics. Okay. Uh, so watching this, it's like, I was like, watching this movie and I'm like, boy, she's a terrible actress. No wonder I don't see her in anything. Like no one would hire yeah. her. Like she's so wooden and like just does not, like she always like, looks like she's concentrating when she's trying to act. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer when I was a kid and like it was my favorite show. Um, but boy, she sucks. And like I, I, I've also like, I should say like, I have no interest in rewatching Buffy at all. Like it, it was a time and place for me. Um, yeah. I, I could, if I was going to watch it, I would just like watch like the musical episode or that hush episode again, like the Josh Whedon ones. Um, but other than that, yeah, I have no real strong feelings, but none of that has really anything to do with the grudge. Uh, Sir Michelle Geller is a woman who's like in Japan with her boyfriend who I guess is like doing med school or something and she's you, been, i guess i guess i don't yeah. i don't know it doesn't matter it, he's just he wears like giant oversized pants in this movie mm-hmm. which was the style i guess in 2004 like it's just like i'm not sure yeah. If it, it's yeah and she's dressed exactly like uh prissy girls dressed in 2004 lots of uh argyle sweaters prissy girls uh i don't know gussied up upper middle class and uh Never had a real problem in their life it's, sure. it's, un, until you run into Japanese ghosts. That was like the first time she's had to struggle. Okay. And maybe that's why she has like a hard time like being terrified or being scared by things and reacting like a real person would because she's never had to do that before. So she's kind of like, maybe I have, maybe I'm fearful of this moment. I don't know. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Bill, so Bo, Bill Pullman's in this movie. Um, he starts yes, off, he, he kicks things off. And, uh, it's just like kind of a scene with him, like out on a, like, um, like apartment deck and you're like, what's he doing? And then he jumps off the edge and that's like the first two minutes and he's dead. Mm-hmm. You see him jump and that's, the, that's the movie. Um, it's good for him. so the movie's like sort of like a, uh, I guess what the kids like to call like a Tarantino like, uh, timeline structure. <laughs> like it jumps in and out of like the present and the past. And it doesn't really like telegraph that it's done that other than you you get to see characters you haven't seen before just suddenly appear in the mm-hmm. house that you're in currently. And you're like, Oh, I guess this was the family that they haven't really started talking about yet. Um, Clea Duvall shows up and she's like one of those actresses that like, oh, man, she's got a face that a mother can love. Oh, Jared. Oh, I know. I mean, but man, watching her this, I was like, fuck, I just want to see a movie with her in it. She's so good. Like, especially compared to Sarah Michelle Geller, who's terrible. Um, because right. like she she actually strikes like she just like comes off as a real human being and like I, I I'm really into her story but she's in it so briefly, um 
I guess I haven't even really talked about the plot of this movie. Anyway, there's go- there's there's ghosts. There's ghosts in a house, and they're like really mean ghosts, and they will like they follow you to your office and to your own house. They mm-hmm. just like they're unrelenting spirits. They're uh, real like you don't want to mess with these ones. They they hold a grudge, I guess. Ooh, um, you did it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I used to like I love J horror. Um, the same year yeah. that this came out, uh, Shimizu also directed this film called Mirabito that I love. It seems mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't share the same love of that movie that I have for it. Like mm-hmm. when I watched it uh, a couple of years ago, like it just hit me in all the right ways of just being this like it's got this like voiceover narration. It's about like this uh, Tokyo subway system and like. Uh, essentially, the, it's like Dr- Drugeros, which is like, uh, I always remember from my D&D monster manual, is like dark dwarves. <laughs> and it's like, that's what they're yeah. named. But they're just like uh, painted white skin Japanese ghost ghouls. And they just crawl around in this underground cavern that goes like thousands of feet under the ground. And it's like this sort of uh, eldritch like landscape where like cannibalistic women uh, are like handcuffed to the side of caves and stuff like that. Mirabito mm. is just like so good. And like, I love that thing so much. And so the same time he made that, he made the grudge and it's just totally generic. Um, it does. I, I, I do plan on this month uh, rewatch. My one rewatch that I have planned is watching a uh, Jew on the grudge, like the first uh, grudge movie. Cause he yeah. also, he made two television movies pre- previous to it. It's like, drew on the curse one and two um and i tried watching those and those were like really low quality like they're really tough to even look at and so uh i'm kind of curious how good the uh first real grudge movie holds up because i remember when i watched Mm -hmm. that back during the heyday of j-horror coming to north america loving it um especially like in ringu and stuff like that but so this was just seemed like, I don't know, all the ju- your jump scares and weird scares and stuff like that. They all like didn't really seem really well set up. Um, maybe they'd play better in a theater, but watching them at home, uh, I wasn't really feeling it. Um, the, the movie looks pr- pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just like there's like police detectives that are kind of like half in like they just look half asleep in these roles. Like they just don't seem like super engaged or like uh like they even buy what's going on, like the actors themselves, which is strange. Um, and I don't know the grudge. I, I didn't really have like any expectations of this really. Um, other than it's just one of those like, uh, movies I hadn't, I didn't watch when it first came out back in the day, just because I I was like, ugh, remakes. And, uh, I mean, maybe I should just keep on thinking that, but like you said, like you were talking about when you saw the ring, um, I thought that worked fairly well. Um, Gore Verbinski brought it. Yep. That was a really, it was a really good looking movie. Um, I still don't know what that whole horse scene was about. Um, nobody does. No one knows, um, but yeah, like, even no, like, but this movie doesn't think, even, this movie doesn't even have like a horse scene in it that like, yeah. there's anything I could possibly remember about it other than like, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar and her sweaters in this thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I saw that one in theaters too. Uh, I, I have nothing to say about it, but uh, I, I do say you, you do got to give the remakes a chance. Certain ones, it is definitely the minority, but like The Ring and uh, as I've said before, Let Me In. I, I like Let Me In more than uh, Let the Right One In. So oh, there's that. There's that. There's that. That blasphemous talk. Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched that. I went to bed. 
I woke up and realized I had a bunch of errands to run, but hey, I'm not going to let that stop me from watching another movie. So I popped in Bride of Reanimator from 1989. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Brian Yuzna? Yeah, because I've got a a bunch of Brian Yuzna movies I want to watch this month. And uh, it just so happened I got lucky on my role and uh, I got to watch this before watching the third Reanimator movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. so yeah, this I I got uh, the Arrow Blu-ray Super Special Edition, which comes with a like giant little like it's like a miniature trade paper uh, trade paperback of a Reanimator comic that came out in like 1992, which I didn't cool. realize until I opened up the package uh, this very morning. Yeah. Um but I I had never seen Bride of the Reanimator. I actually had an old uh, DVD that I had bought from like a video store that was going out of business a few years ago, um, but it was like full screen and I think probably looked like crap. I never watched it, so now I'd never have to. Mm-hmm. As I have this uh, beautiful thing from Arrow. So I watched that and I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. Mm. Um, I, I, I kind of like, I don't really want to say that I think it's better than Reanimator because I think right. th- that would be pushing it. But I think I kind of like it a little bit more in some ways. Because um, like there's a, like in the opening credits, um, which like actually I, I should mention that like when I watched the uh, Reanimator uh, for the rewatch a couple weeks ago, the opening credits is like totally like a uh, Saul Bass kind of Hitchcock throwback with like the big dramatic kind of uh, Bernard Herrmann-esque score by uh, Charles Band's brother, Richard Band. I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's his brother. Um, and like just like the graphic overlays and like this like dramatic um, horny uh, music. Yeah, I would call it. Um, And so I was like, oh, cool. They're using that again. Um, And um, what else would I say? Then during the opening credits, there's a bit where they start introducing all the like special effects and makeup by. And it is like a murderer's row of like special effects guys you want to see. It's Tom Savini. No, no. Actually, he's the one guy that's not who's missing from there. And that's kind of okay. Okay. Uh, Because. He's good, but I think he's overrated. Like his heyday sure. was like probably ten years before this movie came out. But there's like oh, what's the, what are they called? Uh, it's like the KGBG effects guys. KG uh, Beast? No, not KG Beast. Quit, quit talking about Batman versus Superman. Uh, okay. But it's like they have like they uh, they're like the big like production horror guys that have been around forever. Uh, and mm-hmm. they they actually have a documentary about them called Nightmare Factory that I watched. And so they're involved. Screaming Mad George is involved. Okay. Uh, and yeah, like, so I was like, kind of like, oh, cool. Like, so this movie's going to have some really good gore. Cause like Brian Yesna, he is all about gore. Like all the Brian Yesna movies I've watched, his movies like have the best like monsters and effects in them. Even if the yep. movies aren't really that good, like from like a storytelling perspective. And mm-hmm. that's, and it holds up in Bride of the Reanimator as well. Um, it's like, I don't know. So it's like a direct sequel to Reanimator. Uh, we still get Jeffrey Combs and it's, it's, it is an improvement from Reanimator because we get more Jeffrey Combs in this than we did in mm-hmm. Reanimator. It's just him all the time playing his like, kind of like Asperger's affected, like uh, alt- science science yeah. is ultimate God sort of uh, character. And uh, uh, the guy's Dan, who's like the, the his colleague, who's kind of following him around for some reason. Um, he's back with uh, more of a longer Mel Gibson lethal weapon like hair and a, and banging bod uh, that we he has to showcase a bit. 
Um, and he's like, but it picks up with them like in somewhere in like, it's like Peru and during a civil war. And like, they've basically gone down there to take advantage of all these like casualties to like try out their serum, the reagent. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get this like opening scene with them just like getting attacked, uh, by rebels and shooting people. And then they go right. back and then, then they just go back to America to pick up where they left off, uh, back to the scene of the crime at Miskatonic university. Uh, okay. where a, a police detective is like after them because he has an idea of what's gone on. Um, the villain from Reanimator, his head makes a reappearance. Um, there's like yeah, so it's like all I guess like revisiting the same old ground. I'm not sure exactly how uh, the timeline fits in, even though I just watched Reanimator again recently. But I don't think it yeah. matters at all in this sort of thing. Yeah. It it's, cl- seem like it. it's close enough. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I mean, the whole payoff is just like the build up to like the whole like, like crazy bloody conclusion where like the special effects guys are allowed to just like do whatever the fuck they want for like mm-hmm. 20 minutes. And uh, like you get like, so you get disembodied heads that get their heads uh, uh, attached with bat wings. And cool. so you get floating. Yeah. You get like head with bat wings flying around. Uh, you get like a, you get the bride of reanimator, which is like, uh, as grotesque as you could never have gotten, say, with like Bride of Frankenstein in 1935. Mm-hmm. This is like, this is closer to what like a reanimated corpse using a different body parts would look like. It would be wicked. horrifying. And yeah, like, you, and you certainly wouldn't want to have sex with it, which is like, well, which seems to be like, uh, I'll be the judge. Yeah. Hey, so maybe what are you going to be making Necromantic 3? Hey, now. <laughs> this is totally different. Yeah, hey, it's a totally different. My relationship with my corpses is different. Yeah. Um there's love there. There's love. Love you just can't understand. Yeah. Um but yeah, no like so the movie's like pretty okay and then that ending is just like yes, Brian Yesna, thank you cuz he also uh speaking of uh, horror anthologies, he was involved with uh Necronomicon, which is a yep. Lovecraft infused uh, horror anthology from like uh 93 and it's pretty forgettable, except for probably for me, the Brian Yesna segment, which is just like dark and horrifying. Like it's so mm-hmm. brutal. Like I've like, I couldn't, I was kind of, I couldn't believe how like, uh, like kind of like almost upsetting it was in some weird ways. And it's just like practical effects being used. The one stinker with that, when I went back and looked at my review for it was that the lead actress in his segment was terrible and it really oh. kind of killed it, which sucks. Like, it's just like, Oh, if only it's someone better to like play. Cause she's like a cop who basically goes down into like a, uh, whatever they're called Eldritch, some sort of Cthulhu monster thing. Okay. The flying ones that I, I'm yeah. just, I'm blanking out what they're called, but, uh, yeah. So, Brian Yesna, I, I like him a lot. He, uh, you'll be watching some Yesna, I do believe, this month. I got, I have uh, one coming up very soon, and then uh, another one which fits two criteria: uh, Aliens and Brad Dourif. That's coming up a little bit later. Nah, so yeah, you'll hear uh, about it when it yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we both have that one on our list. That yeah. that do riff. Um, but yeah. So then I uh, I had a little bit of time before we recorded to check out uh, one of the special features on the Blu-ray, or it's an interview with the effects guys, and I got to actually see what Screaming Mad George looks like, and he's like kind of crazy. Screaming Mad. Uh, he's kind of a strange-looking guy. He's like Japanese, and he's got, but he's got like this white gray hair that's just like long and flowing, bad teeth, dark like mm-hmm. eyebrows and beard, and but like, and he's just like talking about his craft, and I'm like, oh right, I absolutely love practical effects guys so much. They, they, right. They're like they're the true heroes. Um, I always wondered myself whatever happened to Rob Botton of like the Thing fame. Um, yeah. It's it's really bums me out that like his like last movie credit I think is like Mr. Deeds. 
Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, it's like, what? It's like, that guy's a certified genius. I mean, mm-hmm. he worked on, like, if, if anything I've watched from, like, that era, it's like, oh, yeah, Rob Botton did that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, uh, I now do want to watch uh, Screaming Mad George actually co-directed a movie. I think I might have talked about this before, but it's uh, the Guyver uh, oh, live yeah, action yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. With, with Mark Hamill. <laughs> Full circle here. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so what's the last thing you watched? So... Uh... My third movie, uh, I actually woke up early this morning to fit it in just so I would have something else to talk about with you today. So I hope you appreciate that. We do. Um, yeah, the people out there might appreciate it. Uh, so the third movie I watched was called Monster, a.k.a. Humanoids from the Deep, a.k.a. Fish Rape, a.k.a. Gotta Get That Booty. Um, it has a lot of different titles but those are all real i i assure you uh this one came out in 1980 and it involves a small fisher fishing community like a fisher town on the coast i don't know that's not really important what this movie is about is um humanoid humanoids from the deep like fish monsters coming out of the ocean uh they They're not there. Uh, Let me read the tagline for you. Or not the tagline, but the little synopsis. They're not human, but they hunt human women, not for killing, for mating. So this is a gross movie about fish monsters raping women. Um, I'm not sure where I heard about this. Probably Monster Cinemassacre's Monster Madness. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's... About all there is for plot, right? You've seen this show. I borrowed I, it from you, so yeah. No, I, I watched it. Yeah. Um, what do I have to say about this movie? Um, it's kind of gross. There's a lot of rape. Yeah. Uh, I think the monsters look really cool because they, they have like really long arms, which I think is like such a unique or such a cool like visual thing to have for monsters. Um. There's a bunch of dogs die in this movie, and that's really sad. And there's one scene where it looks like the dog is sedated or something. So that's pretty fucked up. I didn't like that. Um, I don't know. It's got some good effects. All the Yeah, all the fish monster stuff is really good. Uh, when dudes get torn up before the fish monsters uh, get after that booty, uh, all those scenes are really cool. Like the dudes getting their heads like scratched in half or their rib cages opened that stuff's awesome the one thing i remember about it um is that like the only they didn't have very many fishman suits okay yeah i think like there's like maybe like i don't know like don't, three yeah like it was not very many so like they had to like make an army of fishmen mm-hmm. uh did you happen to look up who designed uh and created the monster costumes was it screaming mad george uh rob botton <laughs> oh my god see your your buddy my boy you're just your best friend like my good friend yes good friend um, rob botton yeah this movie's kind of like it's got like it's sleazy it's uh well because so the director is uh barbara peters uh who made this film but then uh roger corman uh took this movie mm-hmm. away from her and that that's when the rape scenes got added Oh, of course. And so, uh, yeah, she she asked for her name to be removed from the film, but that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. that's too bad. 
Yeah, yeah, because that that is a significant part of the movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I to be honest, I don't really have a lot to say. Like, I thought it was fine. Um. It's like obviously I'm biased. Like, I didn't think it needed that big elaborate scene where they killed a bunch of dogs. But see, see, that's I, just uh, me. That's, that's just one, me. That's one of those things in my mind that like I don't recall that at all. I don't even know like yeah. uh, what happened there i'm like what because i saw that you mentioned that i was like dogs get killed in that movie so mm-hmm. yeah because you always ask hey jared does this have this and i go no i don't think so and then it's like oh and you're Hall. always lying to me oh he's lying he says i don't know mm-hmm. i don't re- i don't remember this stuff well i don't know dogs are always like, getting uh, killed in movies it seems yeah i know and like that's one of the reasons i think it sucks or like i think horror movies are weird but um anyways no i thought it was fine like all the fishman stuff was really cool so i i don't i don't actually have that much to say about it fishmen are cool so if you're into fishmen uh maybe this is the one for you yeah i mean uh it's been a it's been a few years but like i remember really enjoying this um because like, i thought it was just like kind of a kind of like un unrelentingly like unrepentantly uh, mm-hmm. like sleazy and like trashy and like it's like oh yeah no this movie's just about like s- like monster men coming to the shore to rape uh, human women and impregnate yep. them like that's what this movie is and it's just like whoa like that's like pretty screwed up mm-hmm. um so like that like I, I appreciated its honesty I guess in that regard um yeah, sure. and like yeah the action scenes were good like the monsters looked awesome uh the movie moves at a good clip um I guess like besides the rape you could call this a fun movie <laughs> uh, uh I guess I guess you could other but... than other than that uh it's like it's just like there's like tons of movies like just like this and it falls into all the uh same tropes like is there is this the one that I'm just gonna be blurring my mind they go to like a shack in the woods like in like a bayou and there's like a fire and stuff does that happen in this one uh yeah briefly okay I kind briefly. of vaguely remember that sort of stuff it seems like it has all the things you expect for monster movies but like far more modern for like a far more demanding 80s audience which is something yeah. like hey it's like we're not your 50s B movie we're your 80s B movie and that means women have to get violated by dudes in rubber suits yep that's you pretty much you betcha it's pretty much all it is yeah so. no no yeah it's i thought it was pretty good yeah i like the fishmen so cool uh and like i said i think the huge the draw is how long their arms are it's really impractical but it's super cool yeah so uh what's next for your viewing pleasure um i think probably chopping mall and horror hotel also known as, uh, I think, City of the Dead or something. I think it's Horror, like yeah, Horror Hotel I, I with uh, it, Chris Lee in the I 1960s. I think Horror Hotel's got a bunch of different names. It's, yeah. all, it's all very misleading. So I think probably one of those. And then uh, once I get those two down, I think I'm going to try to get into uh, the Clive Barker universe and maybe some Brian Yuzna. So on, if you if people want to know, they, they got to go to that letterbox to find out, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, uh, it's all going to come down to the dice roll. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then plus like right away here, I'm going to be uh, heading out to a friend's house and we're going to be watching some movies there. So I might, uh, wind up adding some extra horror stuff that's not on my list, bullshit. Uh, but we'll see. It might actually be non horror, which is like the worst of all like realities, honestly. Yeah. That's total horseshit. I, uh, I don't even, I don't even know you anymore. Yeah. 
Um, well, you know what? I think that's a good place as any to enter for this special. Um, ah, yeah. It's good uh, secret origin. Yeah. So, folks, you can follow us on Twitter at Criterion Creeps. Email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com. we got that mm-hmm. Facebook page, Tumblr. We're on Instagram. Instagram's going to be filled up with screen grabs and movie mm-hmm. posters of all the movies we're watching. And if you want to just see what we are watching, there's Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan on there. He's Barnloaf. Uh, subscribe and follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, your preferred podcast platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, uh, well, uh, in a few days here, we're going to be going back to the Criterion Creep. We're going to be talking about Salo. And, uh, then maybe after that, we'll do another one of these here things since we'll be mm-hmm. talking about this horror shit. And, uh, yeah, we'll just keep on f- soldiering on. Keep on creeping on. Creep on, creeping on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, bye. Bye.